And hi, I'm Hobson Rocker, and I'm listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> So nice. Who are you? Yeah. It's strange. The ambiance is different. Isn't it is, it? yeah. There's, there's a... It's like limping a little bit. Limping? Limping. Oh, limping. I still said limping. <laughs> limping pools. Your eyes. They blind me. Right. Listen to you. Sounds like we got a reporter on the scene. He's going to be embedded after the episode. Embedded reporter, baby. I like the sound of that. We should do this every week. <laughs> I hope not. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like the idea of driving seven hours in a day uh, every week. Seven hours? Yikes. There so I back, drove babe. down to Baltimore and back. That's a haul, baby. I know. What'd you buy me? All the practice of thirty minute. All the practice of thirty minute interview. Jesus, that's nuts. Again, what would you buy me? Yeah, uh, how's Steve Jeffy? Scusa. <laughs> Scusa. <laughs> uh, oh my goodness. Well, that's more than enough. Hey, everybody! It's eleven o'clock comics. Episode 464. It's a special yeah. one. Yeah. And I am Vince B. They're all special. Uh, I guess. I am David A. Price. And I'm Genuine coming ride my pony. <laughs> he could have been married on Dreddy. He could have. He could have been, right? Yeah, but Mario he did. He, Mario Kart. Did <laughs> <laughs> he drive around his spider mobile? I hate them racing games. Hate them. Why? Never liked them. Kids were just Jeez. playing it tonight. It, it looks like fun. Graphics on the last one were really nice. But anyway, I forgot who you were, but you're not who you said you were. Genuine. Genuine, <laughs> yes. You're Jason Wood on remote, in transition like from wherever you are to home. I feel like he was genuine yeah. again recently. Oh, no, no, no. You sure? No. Wait, I don't know. All right, wait. Is Genuine a rapper? Sure, maybe. Yeah, I no, think, I think no, you no, might have no. gone to the well too many times with this one. Oh, criticism. Really? I, I oh, like man. it. I, I can, if that's true, if that's true, then, uh, then uh, apologies uh, from my heart and my head, because uh, I didn't mean it. I guess, I guess the boo has now become the oob. Ha <laughs> ha. But the no. Oob. The oob. You, you are Jason Wood, as I said. On remote, because um, if, as if you didn't already know, Jason is uh, Skyping in through his cell phone because he is now driving to home, and we wanted to do this all proper with the three of us, so we got to do what we got to do, and uh, the reason why Jason's audio is l- just a tad bit less than pristine, pristine, that's why, because he's in the damn car. We, we, we do this for you. Yeah. We know you're not going to care. I will try and keep my speak my my speaking part to a minimum, such that the audio quality remains the 
A-plus level it typically is. No, you can't keep your speaking to a minimum because that's not right. So we're not, we're not, we're not talking about Logan until you get home? Oh, we can talk about Logan. <laughs> no, we can talk. I'm, I'm, we're, I'm ready to do this. Do this. Yeah, y'all can talk about Logan. Um, Stop. Yes. Oh, what? Hey, uh, you know what? <laughs> this is a show about comics, and there's only one place to get them as inexpensively as possible. That is Discount Comic Book Service. DCBService.com. One more time. DCB, as in boy, service.com can get you your books, get them fast, get them delivered right to your door, and best of all, Get you them for a fraction of the cover price. The uh, specials are up and they are awesome from first second. A lot of hubbub about this book. It's called The Spill Zone by Scott Westerfield and Alex Puvaland. It's a $22.99, I believe it's a hardcover. Yes, it's a hardcover. $22.99 cover price, but because you're super smart, you can get it for $12.64. That's 45% off that pesky little cover price. Um, the thing that got my heart beaten strongly uh, from Fantagraphics, it is Gary Panter's Songy of Paradise hardcover, inspired by John Milton's Paradise Regained, uh, except... It's the story of Jesus being tempted by Satan, except the Jesus part will be played by a hillbilly. Jesus couldn't make it this week, so we stuck <laughs> we stuck a hillbilly in there. Uh, it's a massive, oversized hardcover in keeping with the previous Gary Panther Fanographics releases. This sucker goes for thirty four ninety nine, but once again, you're not going to pay that. $22.74. That's 35% off. 35 is a good discount on a Fanagraphics book. You're, you're, you're batting a thousand with that. Um, and last but not least, from Image, The Return of Youngblood. Youngblood number one. It's called Youngblood Reborn. I think they could have, you know, <laughs> tweaked that a bit. But, um, <laughs> It's written by Chad Bowers, art by Jim Toe, three ninety nine cover price. David, what are they going to pay for this? Oh, is it half price? It is one ninety nine. One ninety nine, unheard of. You got to get it on the Young Blood re- Reborn thing. I mean, everybody's going to be reading this, right? It's the book that launched the Image Revolution, and now it's twenty five years. Know it. It's twenty five years old. How time flies. Get in on this. DCBService.com. Get your stuff cheap. Get it now. Mm. Effortless order. That's right. Drink time. Well, what you got, Vince? I feel like this cheap-ass wine is lasting forever because it doesn't look like this big jug is going. It's half. So I'll be drinking this for the next... He said a jug. He did say a jug. It's always been a jug. It's It's a jug. Emmett Otter over here? (laughs) Look at the birds up in the trees. Uh, No, it it is a jug. It's got a handle on the side like a... Of course it does. It's a jug. It was delivered in Aram's freaking big-ass bag. I perceive you're making fun of me. Never. Never that. You lie. You lie. But anyway, it's going to last forever, and that's what I'm drinking. It's from... uh, What did I say? doesn't matter. Uh, it does not matter. <laughs> it really doesn't. 
It's some kind of wine. That, no, one's, no, one's, no one's going out to look for Again, it. it's some kind of wine that would probably taste better on a salad than in a glass <laughs> at this point. I got to get to the liquor store. Maybe I'll get some cold gin. Well, I, I, I'm pretty sure it's some form of just straight-up water or a carbonated seltzer of some kind that Jason's drinking. Or maybe it's coffee. I'm drinking, I'm drinking Jim Beam. Nice. <laughs> Go down style. What's no, in the bag, sir? Obviously, I'm not. Uh, no, I am drinking uh, sugar-free Red Bull right now, to be honest. Wow. Mm-hmm. It's like $2 a can, isn't it? Yeah, I have no idea how much it costs, but, but uh, it, uh, it has, it, it, it has a rain. ton of caffeine in it. <laughs> yes. I love this man. <laughs> oh, there you go. Red Bull. Gives you wings. Oh, that's right. Yeah. You fly down the highway. You know what gives me wings? Um, do we want Sloppy them? Joes. Oh, okay. Ah. <laughs> uh, Oh, yeah, it's going to be one of them. <laughs> I I was going to have a different bottle tonight, um, but then we got the news that Jason wouldn't be here in person or in more person than he usually is. So I'm going to save that for next week because I know Vince is going to be thrilled with it. Um, Jason might be able to appreciate it a little bit more. But tonight, the uh, what is pretty much my my new favorite is uh, is from Motto. The backbone Cabernet Sauvignon from California. Excellent. It really is. Good for you. What do we got? What do oh, we... I got to thank you. Oh, you do. I think I wait. I think I do too. I got a package, but I didn't. I didn't get to it because getting to the mailbox ah this week has been hell. At least the mailbox is still standing. It is only because there's like two and a half feet of snow around it. Yeah. Buttress, um, shield from the plows. It's going to be there for a little while too, because it's not. I mean, ah, it's, I don't know about that, dude. It, today the, the stuff sun is out, melting like crazy. Not, well, because the sun's out, but it's going to refreeze at night, and it's just there's a lot to get through. But um, this is uh, I'm, I'm adding to my O'Brien Brothers library. Okay, uh, yeah. This is the third volume. Of maps by Jonathan O'Brien and Timothy O'Brien, and it is uh, continues the adventures of Elwood and his dinosaur, and it is uh, it 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 just it looks amazing. I love the colors on it. It's um, they're so and good. I, I have it. It's there. These books are stacked on the shelf above me, right next to, and I and I have, I have a little O'Brien section now because between the maps books. And the the public education that um, that Jonathan publishes, and the uh, and of course there's awful lot, and when the warlock found a friend, I just yeah. I have their own little like I said, I have an O'Brien section in my library. They they, they have their own wing apparently. So uh, thank you guys so much for uh, for sending this, and I um and and make sure. You check out, I want to make sure the four comes after the strips. It's strips4.com for, uh, for the, um, for pretty much anything they feel like drawing and, and telling stories about, you'll be able to find there. Yes. 
Yes, sir. And we will be seeing them in a few months. Yes, indeed. Look at that. And uh, wait, and I'm sorry, that's the number four. It's strips the number four dot com. Cool. And if that's my package, I thank them as well. Yeah. So let's get on to the comics. Yes, let's. Jason. I, I noticed on the Slack that you said you read the Vampirella. I did. All right. You want to get into that real quick? Yes. Uh, and just uh, by way of reminding our audience, uh, Vampirella is one of your favorite, if not your favorite yeah. character. Yeah, I was going to well, get one there. of you are not. Yeah. No, I know. But I was going to say the reason that uh, you said it half surprisingly is because in spite of your passion for Vampirella, I have largely opted to mock you for that over the years <laughs> rather than embrace it. Uh, it's true. It's true. But, but I, I will... In the spirit... Go ahead. No, I will say you were justified in mocking me because more often than not, the Vampirella post-Warren has not been very good. Yeah, and, and to be honest, uh, in the, I don't know, five or six iterations of Vampirella um, that you that have come out in the time we've done the show, I would often try the first issue or two because it's your thing and just quietly decide it wasn't my thing. But this time with the zero issue, which you raved about, uh, we tried it. And uh, as I said on the show, uh, some, I guess a month or two ago, I thought it was terrific. Yeah. I thought the zero issue was terrific. So when you told us that the first issue was out this week, I happily uh, read it uh, expecting uh, a similar outcome. Cool. Uh, for the record, Vampirella number one is published by Dynamite, exclamation point, written by Paul Cornell, no stranger to comics, art by Jimmy Broxton. This guy has me memorize, memorize, mesmerized. His art is astounding. And I, I think that's the strongest, um, hook to this relaunch is the art. Um, I agree. Yeah, in in a uh, encapsulated, um, the gist of of this thing is that Vampirella emerges into this strange new world, uh, is accosted by flying beings with swords and strange helmets. They look like the the uh, the Hawkmen from Flash Gordon a bit. You know, Bear- <laughs> what was that? <laughs> That was what they say in the movie. Uh, oh, okay. Oh, as they <laughs> dive. Like, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, bare-chested, uh, armored, they have swords, and uh, she dispatches them pretty quickly, but she notices that in this weird place into which she has found herself, blood is black. Why? We don't know. Um, Mount Rushmore is a mess. Uh, she goes to L.A. because it's familiar territory for her, and... L.A. is far removed from what she experienced getting to L.A. I mean, the place is pristine, it's clean, uh, it's shiny, it's straight out of uh, Metal Hurlant. Um, and she tries to immerse herself into the culture. And it's a strange culture. Women wearing strap-ons in public, um, in, in, in uh, intimates so to speak. They have underwear on and bras and a uh, little bit of, of uh, clockwork orange going on here in their, their dress style. Uh, but uh, And no one pays Vampirella any attention. Like she's, she's basically in the traditional costume with a hoodie on 
and and you know no one gives her uh, a second glance, but she decides to um, dumb it down, so to speak, and just wears a like just a red dress. It's just a boring old red dress with boots, and and this culture is very strange. Uh, in reading this, I was like, all right, Mister Cornell, at least you went really weird. Because that was the thing that that kind of bothered me about. Well, it didn't kind of it did. R. L. Stein's take on Man Thing. It was a radical departure, but it was a bad radical departure. It was boring. It, it was unfunny. It was not in keeping with the character. But this is everything Man Thing wasn't. This is interesting. The I, I I want to know more about this culture. Why? Why are dead people suddenly being brought back to life on television shows? Um, what's with the style of dress? Why is everything so phallic? Like, there's there's phallic symbols everywhere in this culture. Um, but Vampirella doesn't have any money. So, so she goes to this um, hot couture uh, shop. And she uh, gets new garb, and in doing, and she just leaves. She's like, "I don't have any money. I'm just going to leave." And and the woman the, that waited on her just says something very strange. She says, "You don't know what you just did to me." So that remains to be yeah. seen what's going to happen there. But it's just an amazing visually. It's amazing. Like the the cityscapes are astounding. The the style of dress. Uh, it's very punk, with being. Um, a little bit new wave at the same time. It, I mean, uh, all told, it's a this comic is like rock and roll. It's it's raw, it's visceral. The it, it's it's there's a lot of it that's hinged on on style over substance. I mean, these people seem to be just like followers. Um, the only thing that really rubbed me the wrong way were all the censored. Um, yes, labels. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yep. I mean, if you're going to go all out, go all out, right? right. Um, the guy, right. there's there's one uh, panel where uh, this man, it looks like he's wearing a, a a bit of a diaper, right? Is it or like, you know, short shorts, and he's got a top hat on and a mask, and he he's got boxing gloves on, and he's and he's wagging his dick at Vampirella. It could be a strap, I don't know, it, but it's I a. Think, I think it is a strap on. Yeah, it's a it's it's a it's a phallus that may or may not be his, and he's wagging it at her, and it's just there's a censored label on on the the pseudo dick, and then we see a a a big panel of just the pseudo dick, and there's a censor like you know what it is, right? Why slap that label on it? And another thing, there's there's uh, profanity is blacked out in dialogue balloons, like that bothers yeah. the hell out of me. But maybe kind of like the old milestone days. If they wanted this to be a, um, a teen talk, I don't. I didn't even look at the front cover. What is the rating on this thing? Is, even if, did they did they rate theirs? I don't know. It doesn't look like they did. But it, I mean, if they're shooting for all ages on this, or or even no, even I'm sure <laughs> no, even teen. So. All right, not all ages, but like teens. Go the extra mile and just take these censored things out of it. Like making it, well, there's nothing wrong with adult Vampirella. Warren's take on it was adult. There was nudity in it. Not explicit nudity, but there was nudity in it. I mean, I wonder if, if this is also, if, if this is being published elsewhere, overseas, and where, where they're uncensored and, and they can, because it's, it, there are, if, 
it's one thing to just draw one or two things that end up being censored or blacked out. But I mean, there, it's it's constant, right? Broxton is not. It, 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 there's nothing. There are more subtle ways to hide these things. You could either just draw them from the waist up, or you can, right. you know, have other people in front of them. But I mean, the fact that pretty much it's panel after panel. Uh, and it's not just one dude. I mean, you have a group of people. Yeah. This is pretty much the way they are in Los Angeles at this time. And, and yeah, it's just, it's, it's a little bit, it's more distracting than if they just left it alone. Yeah. But all in all, it's a radical departure from what has come before. And I think the book benefits from that. I mean, if you're going to stray, stray long, right? And I love the, um, I think my, one of my favorite, I don't know if, I, I don't know how I'm feeling the haircut, but I think my, one thing I absolutely adore about this issue or about at least what, what, uh, what Cornell's going to be doing, uh, is how Vampy's monologue is at the bottom of every yeah. page. It kind of continues into the next page. Yeah. I wish it was a bit more stylized, like the zero issue, but hey, it, that's a nit, right? It's it's just it's just type. Uh, it's just like a font. You know what I mean? It's right. not yeah, it's yeah. not like it was last time. But uh, you know, so what? It still works. And, and um, even the part where Vampa, Vampirella um, is uh, besieged by these these weird guys, and like one of them puts his hand in her blouse. You mm-hmm. know, so so you've blown the fa- like. There's a huge part of your reading public that's not going to not going to see this now because it's 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 a that's adult if you put if you show a hand like vampirella's face is off panel it's just her her it's just yeah her her shoulders down to right above her belly button Mm -hmm. and she's got the opera gloves on thank you and um there's there's a hand going in her shirt like okay and another one following the outside yeah this is adult so go the extra mile get these sensor things out of here but it's crazy is is i'm we're obviously in a whole different it's a whole new world now as far as what you can get away with, what can be, what can be said on television, what could be printed in books because the curse words are grayed out, but she can say the one pawing my tits. Yeah. And it's, and I know tit isn't, isn't a bad word, but still it's, it's one of the, you know, when you're a kid and you say, Oh, check out her tits. That's that, that generally gets a little bit of reprimand from a parent. Oh, sure. Yeah. It's just, it, that she'll say that will see printed in the book. It's just, and again, I don't think any of us are trying to sound as if you know we're being prudes with this. I'm just, I'm, I'm confused. I, the, the inconsistency is what's, it, it's what's yeah, blowing me away. It's in a gray area. Is it adult? Is it not adult? What, what are you shooting for here? It's, it's, well, it's very risque. Yeah, I, I would say that um, for me. The having someone you know that's not embroiled in the Vampirella legacy, um, this futuristic, you know, pop culture mashup whole thing going on really appeals to me because that's intriguing. You know, one of the issues I've always had with um, like the Good Girl comics is that it's neither fish nor fowl. Like I, I find the titillation boring honestly like i've always found that like i i i don't that's why i really one of the reasons i've never been uh, drawn into vampirella and the other iterations is because you know if you're if you're gonna 
if you're going to have this unbelievably sexually explicit looking character where we see her nipples and we she's pretty much nude what very lascivious outfit and there's innuendo but you're never going to you know have her consummate that um i've always i've always hated characters like that um and so with this one while maybe she's like that at least at least she's a more more fully formed character in a in a more interesting setting and and so that 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 that's putting it enough back into the plot-driven side that I can I can look past the uh, the the will she won't she she never will like you know like a modern incarnation of that is empowered right right I I really enjoyed I really enjoyed empowered um, for a bit but then the, the shtick got real to me real quick yeah because it's so sexual and so uh, lascivious and yet she never has sex and I just I, I don't like it just never made sense to me to to not consummate that like to your point like go in or you know go that way or don't but you know the tea like i'm i'm a i'm a grown-ass man so i can only take the teasing for so much it gets boring to me um and you know again i I don't know vampirella's history enough to know if she ever was you know a truly sexual being or not but uh but if she was those are the stories i'd I'd be interested in reading yeah no she's she was very sexual but they only showed her nude once Mm-hmm. And that was a big mistake. Okay. That that was the 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 thing. You, you, the costume leaves very little to the imagination. So there's not a whole lot of reason to show her nude. But they they did once, and you know, as a kid, it didn't go over well with me. And I, I don't know if it didn't connect with the readers because they never did it again. Right. It was a beautiful okay. drawing. I can still picture it in my head. It was a fantastic drawing by, uh, you know, Jose Gonzalez. But it's just, it, it was that, there's a line there with Vampirella that um, nudity, no. It, it's it's unnecessary, really. Because it's, again, mm-hmm. like th- that was the thing with the bad girls was that, um, you know, sometimes they did feature the, the title characters nude or topless and stuff. And so, like you said, that that's a shtick that, you know, once you've seen it, it's done. You're finished. Whereas I love the tease. I think the tease to me is much more compelling than the uh, the outcome the, or, or the, the, the hoped-for outcome. I don't even care if you never get me to the outcome. If you keep teasing, then I'll just keep riding along with Vampirella. Yeah, see, that's where we part ways. That's where we, oh, well, Vampirella maybe, but... But that's where we part ways. I mean, I, I find that tease to be tedious after a while. Yeah, and, and I mean, come on. As even as a uh, uh, a teen and a twenty and a thirty something, if you want to see nudity, you're not going to buy a like a hentai comic, right? You're just going to go just go get right. some porn, right. right? What's whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, no, I think this is very artfully done. This Broxton dude. He, I, I, I just adore his art. There's the the spirit of Gray Morrow is alive in every single panel of this thing. Vince, do you do you think uh, he works digitally, or, or can you not tell? I sure hope not. I can't tell by looking at it. Yeah. No, um, obviously the colors are, but the the line work looks pretty traditional to me. Yeah, I like it a lot. I, I mean, I I don't. Uh, I apologize to him if, if he's done other things. I, it's the first I've seen of him, or at least remember seeing of him. But uh, definitely a big fan for sure. Yeah, he's he's fantastic. But so far, this is a win for for Dynamite, which is that's awesome to me. 
that that they can intuit issues make me forget about a whole lot of stuff that I would hmm. rather not remember with this this take on it. This is just so far so good, right? I don't want to say perfection because right. you know it can uh, go, it can go off the rails very quickly, but I I hope not. I have I have faith in Cornell. He's written very few things that didn't click with me. And um and like I said, the art on this is just breathtaking. Two for two. <laughs> All right. Let's let's move it into a different direction. What you got in mind? I, I'm offering it up to the court. However, uh the mob wants to rule at them. Uh we can go with uh, a little bit oh I don't think Jason read God Country number three yet. Did you read that, Jason? God Country number three? Um, I, I've read the first four pages uh, before I had to leave to come home. So, uh, no. But but you can, by all means, talk about it, please. Go ahead, David. Do you want me to tell him who's done it? Um, go for it. God Country number three, once again, from Image, written by Donnie Cates. Illustrated by Jeff Shaw and uh, Jason Wardy did the the uh, color art. Go and it is a uh, it, it's we're picking up where oops sorry um, I just hit the uh, the what the hell oh I, I I just hit the screen I'm oh damn I hit the screen on my microphone so now everything is all because we're professional and shit so um, we try to be. <laughs> the uh it's too close i have it to, i have it to the edge of the the desk for once um we're picking up shortly uh after the second issue um where uh where granddad had the conversation we're now uh a very short while has passed because uh granddad got a haircut and a shave in two bits so the uh and he's sitting outside watching his granddaughter play while his son and daughter-in-law are inside the house. Um, uh, Roy is watching uh, his daughter play and uh, Roy's wife is getting some beers in there. They're actually having a, a, a rather civil, um, uh, very nice Exchange. They're having a conversation and, um, somewhat apologetic as far as what's been going on the past few hours and, and, uh, reactions and, and, and kind of just rein it in a bit and, and, and take stock of what's going on. So, uh, it's, it's absolutely amazing how this old man will not, for, and, and he can't, we know he can't and, and why he can't, but every single panel, he is touching this sword in some way and and it's part of me while after i read it we 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 chatted on slack for for a brief bit to say uh uh it's kind of give our our quick impressions of how we're feeling about some of the characters in this book uh i'm going to let you say what you said, and then I'll counter that. Wow. Okay. Yeah, because I really don't feel the same way. 
All right. What did I say? I said I'm not um, connecting very closely with um, Roy at all. How he has all these recriminations, like I prayed for my dad to die, and wah, and uh, you know it's my fault, and uh, awakenings doesn't happen in the real world. Okay, you don't suddenly get your person back from that abyss. It just doesn't happen, right? Mm-hmm. So this this guy has right. been this guy's been given a gift. Here's your papa back. This is the guy that went away, um, did a whole lot of things that you didn't like when he wasn't that person that you knew as your father. And and now you you have him back and you're wasting time sitting on a bed talking to your wife with these recriminations on, I prayed for him to die. Of course you did. It's a natural reaction. That's just how it works. You know, the, the the shell of your father is now inhabited by something else that's not your father, right? So, of course, you'd be like, please, God, take him. This is not who this person is. Like, that's just natural. Right. So, the fact that he's he, he goes, he, he just needs to vent to his wife. Like, he doesn't have the common sense to know that... You know, it's okay. They're just thoughts, right? There's not a gigantic logbook up in heaven that says, oh, uh-oh, Roy prayed for his father to die. That's going to count against you when you pass over there, Roy. You know, it's not a good thing. Like, that's just people, what people do. Right. Sensible people. People who feel, who care about the ones that they're close to, that, that, that they, they held dear. Yeah, of course, Remove them from this pain. That's just natural. And I just don't can. I, I just think he's a bit of a whiner. Gift, embrace it. No, yes, see, and, and and there I agree with you. I, I maybe was, I didn't phrase it correctly. When I well, no, I thought I thought the whining part came when uh, I thought you were referring to their conversation on the porch, and. With dad saying, you know, your mother hugged you too much, and, and no, the dad's right. See now that I don't, I don't know if I'm. It's, I don't, I don't know if I really agree. I, I'm just not a fan of that whole, you know. I, I listen, you know, it's we're. You know, there are certain certain things, certain characteristics, and 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 uh, certain um, expectations when when you're a man, when you're a boy, and and mm-hmm. you know, obviously the old man is Texas, uh, rough and tough, and you know, just walk it off, rub some dirt on it. You know, you're you're you're, you know, don't don't be a sissy type stuff. That's I can. That's still from that that era and that, yeah. and that mindset. So that, but the whole, you know, for 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 him to kind of go low, where where his son's trying to have a moment with him, and and dad's just you know blowing him off, you know, because he's just like, listen, did you hear what we said? And you know, I, I I'm trying to understand what the hell's going on, but dad don't want to hear it. So, you know. Instead of just continuing to talk to a brick wall, Roy's like, fuck it. I'll just, I, and he goes to take a walk and, and that's when, you know, that's, and, and dad's go to 
is your mother hugged you too much. And I'm like, dude, don't don't be a dick. It's like, right. it's, well, he uh, is. Yeah, he is a bit of a dick, right? I agree with that. The, and and like what I said about Roy also applies to Emmett, right? Yes, you've been given a reprieve. Make the best of it. Make the best of it, right? And he, I think, and I think, you know, by by spending time with his granddaughter and 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 right. um, being open to a relationship with his daughter-in-law, that's that's. I think he is more receptive to this second chance than Roy is, mm-hmm. or, or at least he's more open to it. But um, it's it, I don't everything it, 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 it moved along the, the the issue the whole exchange everything everybody's conversations um yeah. everybody's little internal moments reflections and things like that i thought i thought it was great i think shaw's art is really good here he's he's uh it's the third issue and i mean it's just, uh it's an image book so, so they're co-creators on this. This is, this is partly his baby. So, uh, I think though we're finally, or he, he getting a real feel for for these characters, and and, and I think it's just it, it. The art I think is a little better here than than it was in the first two issues. I think he's got a handle on Janie better. Like you, Janie could, looks amazing. Yeah, you couldn't tell in in issue one, especially issue one, that Janie was a real catch, at least right. at least visually. But in this one, when when uh, her and Roy are talking, you, yeah, you're like, okay, she's she's a picture. Um, but you know, the the whole they say music soothes the savage beast, right? I think it's yeah. children. Because I've seen a number of instances, um, in particular my grandfather. From what I've been told, my grandfather was not a nice person before I came along. <laughs> they, they, my, yeah, my mother and father have told me, had told me for many, 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 many years that that's not the man your grandfather was. That person that you know right now... <laughs> nowhere near what he was before you. You changed your grandfather. I've seen it in other families too. My in-laws, um, real tough as nails, you know, uh, very, very stern, very um, particular man when his grandson came along, totally changed. Um, the kids just have a way of making you realize that uh, especially grandkids have a way of, yeah. of making you realize that okay, this is the third iteration. You're going to be phased out soon. In in favor of the new blood, so you know, like, let's embrace this. Look at this child. Let's take it for what it's worth. And this 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 being could make your life better. I think that's what Emmett is is feeling here a little bit with with Dina, but he's still he's still. There's still that old school in him, right? Like your mother, right. your mother hugged you too much, right. which is hypocritical. But you, because you, you know damn well that if if Dina, w- which we see in this, right, if if anything was ever to happen to her, like he'd be right there, and he is right there. Yeah. So it, it's he's just a tough old man. But I think it's also the the familiarity. He he raised Roy. He knows. Mm-hmm. He knows what he's put Roy through and, right. and what and what Roy can take. So you can you can you can be rough and and mean 
meaner to him than than he would to I mean because it's also she's also a little girl so it's not just yeah, his girl, grandchild right it's also a girl so mm-hmm. you know it, it's um but to she she asks you know if she can if she can play with the sword I'm not a fucking plaything and and I'm not a toy and he goes and the whole the part where he says yeah I'm I'm not accustomed to to speaking to children it's like yeah no shit I just I thought yeah. that 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 was a that was a cool scene but the sword um, Valifax is a lot like Emmett they they do I was going to say compliment but they yeah no they 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 pretty much are they're, they're kindred spirits yeah um, uh, Jason did you get to the part uh, no obviously you didn't there's an arrival. Uh-huh. In, in this in this book, we we get to uh-huh. see a little bit more of the uh, a tomb family tree, so to speak. Okay, cool. Yeah, it, it it's very well, you know, very well done. To David's point about the art uh, in this issue being uh, up a notch, you know, I think that's a that's a that's a, that's good to hear. But but B, I think that's probably a natural progression, right? I mean, yeah. Um, and, and you know, it. it um, you reminded me of something that, uh, you know, De- uh, our, our, our friend and uh, very talented creator, Declan Shalvey, uh, caused a bit of a, 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 uh, a storm or a controversy this week uh, on Twitter. Oh, I saw that. He, yeah, he was sort of sharing some thoughts, uh, I guess unsolicited advice is the way to characterize it. And I'm paraphrasing here because I'm driving, so I, I, I did actually have these tweets um pulled aside to read and, and foster the conversation, but again, I apologize, I have to paraphrase. But in essence, he was, uh, through a series of tweets, giving some advice, and he was saying, you know, uh, to the young creators out there, uh, he was making the case that uh, it's great that you can draw a pinup or a commission, but if you really want to have a career in this business as a cartoonist, you have to draw sequentials. And you got to draw lots of sequentials, and you have to keep drawing sequentials. Um, because... Uh, you know, it's it's alluring to draw pinups and commissions, and yes, it can pay the bills at cons, and uh, that's all great and groovy, but it, it's just not the same thing. It's a com- it's a completely different um, uh, effect, right? It's, it's 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 one can be a great pinup artist and be a terrible cartoonist, and uh, and then I countered, I would argue the same in the opposite, although he didn't take the bait there, um, but uh, but. But to your point, I mean, I, I have a few commissions from Jeff. I've known Jeff's name for a number of years as a result of those commissions. But I don't know that he had done a lot of published work, at least that I had seen up until recently. So, uh, you know, it's good that he's, he's showing a sequential chops. And he's showing a quick learning curve. So that's good to hear. I, th- I think it's true what what Declan was, was saying. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's the same thing for... Like cover artist, yes, yeah, so you can draw. You can draw an amazing, still static image of of characters posing, but if you cannot tell a story and a, a sequential story with with multiple panels on a page progressing from from beginning to end, then you don't want to be a comic book artist. It's, no, you want to be a, a cover artist, right? Yeah. Or, or, or just, a commission draw. You know, it's so no, there you're not, and and. It's basically yes. If what that was saying was, if if you want to work in comics, you have to fucking draw comics. You're not going to draw. You're not going to get into comics if you if if you're drawing Batman in a pose we've seen thousands of times before with with uh, 
you know, it, it, with your tools of the trade next to it. We know you can draw, but can you draw a story? Right. That's, but isn't right. it, isn't one a gateway to the other? Like if, if you achieve some kind of renown as a, as a comic book artist, a sequential artist, doesn't that lead to more commissions? And, and, and more, more headshots and, and character poses. And if, if you, like, unless you're Adam Warren, or not Adam Warren, um, Adam Hughes, and, and you're, you're right. rake, raking it in doing just single images, then great. But there's not many Adam Hugheses out there. No. Okay. Or, you know. Well, uh, I, think, I, I think to your point, Vince, I mean, I think there actually are more than you're giving credit for. Like, I can think of lots of guys, and Lord knows we we know a bunch of them on the con circuit that make their livings drawing commissions. I mean, they they yes, they say they're they're comic artists, but I mean they you know they they've done very little if any published work in a long time, but yet they seemingly make decent livings drawing commissions. And then you know, in addition to guys like Adam Hughes, you got the Art Adamses of the world, who I think are pretty much in that camp. Bill Sinkevich is in that camp now. Yeah, but, but I think the difference there is that is the Adams and the Hughes and the Sinkevich. They, we know they're great cartoonists when right. they want to be. It's just that I think for them, they're so well regarded for their single figure work, or not single figure, but their single scene work that they can make obscenely good livings drawing commissions. Uh, you know, much more than than is typical. But uh, but yeah, no, I, I think that's with Declan's point too. Like commissions are great, and he draws commissions, and a lot of guys do, and it's a perfectly fine way to supplement your income. But if you're trying to break into the business. You know, drawing lots and lots of awesome commissions at cons isn't going to get it done, right? right. Like, editors aren't going to hire you because you draw a kick-ass Batman pinup. You know, they're going to hire you because you, you go to an art review and you show them pages, and those pages show promise, right? And, uh, and, and I think there's, you know, there's a ton of validity in that. Right, but, you know, to my point, the Art Adams and the Bill Sienkiewicz, those guys cut their teeth on sequentials. That's where they made their names. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. That's right. Yeah. So it, it it was it opened that that very lucrative gate it's, to to more more work where they can just sit down and I mean is anybody going to begrudge Art Adams for creating a beautiful single image? No, because no. the guys are number one no, amazing, no. right? And, and yeah, he think. he has proved more you know time and time again these are really great sequential artists as well. It it can. But look, I mean, look at a guy like uh, you know, I mean, but look at a guy like uh, James Jean, right? I mean, right. I, James Jean doesn't really paint sequentials that we've ever seen, right? I haven't seen any, right? Or like a Glenn, like a Glenn Fabry, or or uh, yeah, he, I don't I don't know, remember or, the last time he actually drew a comic book story. I mean, they they exist, but yeah. there aren't there aren't many. Um, yeah, I think James Jean too is a very unique beast. Um, he does. Yeah. He does basically one thing extremely well. He he, he does James. Yeah. He does James Jean. There, there's there's sure. no stylistically. There's really nobody that does that. So, um, and there there that's the reason for the astronomical cost of his original art. Right. Well, right. No, you're right. He's 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 transitioned quite effectively into being a true fine artist. So I, right. I, I, but you're right. But but I'm just saying there. I mean, there are guys that pretty much guys and women that make their livings doing covers. But I would imagine that most of them at least have some proof that they can do sequentials. Like, where would you put like uh, Dave Johnson in that camp? Well, he's done sequentials, but I, I think. I think Johnson's a right, better, but it's because mean, of fair, his sequentials. Fair. Yeah, I think he's a better cover artist, though. He's he's got really. Very, that's my point. Yes. Yeah, right. very yeah. very powerful, powerful they, they, images. 
single images. Yeah, yeah and I, that's how I was trying to make the counterpoint to, Devil, to Declan. I think he's 100% right that, um, again, if you and I make a living in this business, the path of least resistance is to do sequentials and practice being a storyteller. But I also think um, it's like a square rectangle, you know, um, like like a square is a rectangle, but a rectangle is not necessarily a square, right? Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, I, I think you, you know, just speaking as someone who, who has commissioned a lot of, 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 of art and, and has also bought a lot of pages, I, I do think, although it's far less frequent, I do think there are people that I find to be very good storytellers and I enjoy their comics that I don't think are all that particularly captivating in a single image. And I don't want to name names there because I don't want people to misconstrue it. But I, in my head now, I can think of five or six people that I think are some of my very favorite cartoonists in the business. But I own next to nothing, if not any, of their of their single pages because in a given image, I don't think it's breathtaking. You know? Right. And then on the flip side of that, you get guys like Alex Ross who do phenomenal covers on yeah. everything but Spider-Man. Yeah. Right. Thank you. Um, but their sequentials, not so great. Yeah. I think, I well, with, although with, with Hughes and with Art Adams, uh, maybe not so much with Sienkiewicz, but, and they're not also, they're, they're not the speediest of, of artists. So you're not going to get, they could absolutely, Make more doing a commission than they probably could busting their hump to, to put out a 20 page comic every two months. So, um, it's, and, and Frank, Frank Cho is still drawing sequentially. So he's not, he's not at, at that Hughes Adams level yet. Um, yeah, but, but again, he, he falls into that camp of, of the Adams of the Adam Hughes and that we know he can do sequentials and yes. it's just I think he's he's now he's so close if not at that point where he's in such demand for his covers that uh, another guy that's like that now is Tony Moore right I mean uh, as far as I, I don't remember the last uh, uh, in comic sequential that Tony Moore's done he I love his I mean I love when he did you know when he did Fear Agent and Walking yeah. Dead and Exterminators I love his storytelling I think it's straight out of EC but now he makes as far as I can tell, uh, apologies if I'm wrong, I think he makes a very good living essentially doing high-end commissions. Um, yeah. You know. So. Uh, well, just, anyway, just a bit like, of a tangent. Uh, I didn't mean to go off on this tangent, but I no, good it was tangent. Sort of top of no, it is. It was a good one. And uh, just before we move on, Bill Sienkiewicz, I, I'm guilty of not giving Bill enough credit. There, there's, a well, lot that, of, there's a lot of baggage um, that, that, with Sienkiewicz <laughs> that's not... Uh, primarily it's not related to the printed art, page. Right, that, that's not art-related. And yeah. um, it's more often than not, because I, I've, uh, I know people who have worked with him in the past, and I let that cloud my judgment, but there's no denying that. Right. Like, Bill Sienkiewicz was, at first, um, worked in the shadow of Neil Adams. He was very, yes. very, very yeah. beholden yes. to Neil Adams. But like Neil Adams, it's it's ironic, right, that Neil Adams came along and completely changed the medium. When Neil Adams did Batman, mm-hmm. that was a sea change in the way comic books were made. 
I can also um, say that when Sienkiewicz came along and did the New Mutants and the Electra Assassin and the Daredevil, that Bill Sienkiewicz as well just completely uh, reinvigorated comic book art. So I just that's just me giving Bill his props where a lot of times I often shy away from even mentioning the guy's name and that that's, a, that's not good. That's a crime the, because he uh, has done right. phenomenal work. Two things, yes, the um, the rectangle square analogy was, like was, was exactly where I was headed because yeah. it's, it's, yes, you can, I think it's, and, and something that Evans was saying earlier when we were talking about it is it's, it's, I think it's much easier if, if you draw sequential stories, it's much easier for you to then become a commission sure. slash cover artist than it is if you're just doing covers or commissions to become a so so yeah i mean if it's i you go up to the guy who who drew green arrow or who drew action comics you don't you don't go up to the guy oh yeah that, that guy that drew that one awesome picture of power girl i i want him to do it just it kind of and um the uh I, I would i would love to find out speaking of sinkevich i it's it's weird it's one of those things where i don't it, it's I don't know if it's a truth or dare type thing or, or if someone has to be drunk enough to actually admit it, but I would love to actually, we all know everybody thinks the demon bear is, is the shit, nothing better, but I'd love to actually, honest to God, I want someone to just man up and say, when Sakivich came on, did the demon bear had to drop new mutants? I bet you there was more than a few. There yeah. was, oh, there was absolutely more than a few, but nobody will. Oh, yeah, of course. I have yet to but hear listen, anybody say, I dropped it at that point. Well, I mean, well, I mean, I could speak to this on a personal level, and you guys have lived through it. I mean, I, when we started the show, uh, I had no, nothing but disdain for new, for the new X-Men run, uh, with Whiteley. Right. Uh, and Courtney and stuff, and I, I, I may have even, on the early episodes, if people want to go back in the archives, probably ripped quietly and said he ruined the book. But, I mean, over the next few years, I, I completely did a 180. And, and, you know, part of that was a maturation on my part of, of, of my expectations for art. But uh, I just bring it up because, well, it's not, I mean, I, I, I loved Demon Bear at the time. I remember it vividly. But, but yeah, I mean, I, I, could, but I guess what I'm just saying is, like, you know, anything that's jarring or different um, – can certainly be a cause for someone to drop it, and that doesn't mean that they are even necessarily going to forever dislike it. I feel like I oh, know no, a lot of right. people and it's, that, uh, it's, that that now say like, "Oh, I, I didn't really like Morrison's X Men right now. I love it," or or I, you know, I hated when uh, X Force became Ecstatics and that all red joint. And yeah. it's like, but then now they love it, and it's like, so you know, I guess like I empathize with that because I lived that life for a long time. I mean, I'm much more. Uh, uh, holistic in my appreciation for different art styles now. In fact, I embrace them. But, but I mean, for a good chunk, uh, I guess the majority still of my of my comics reading career, I wanted everything to look like John Buscema. The less you look like, the less you look like Buscema, the less likely I was going to like it. I mean, so there, you know, there are more people who are open to saying, "Yeah, when I was young, couldn't couldn't dig Kirby, did not like Kirby's look, didn't like any of his work." And then, you know, like you just said, I got a little older, I read the stories, I saw what he was laying down, I thought it was great, blah, blah, blah. 
but it just seems to be one of those things when when it comes to the new mutants, the demon bear, and his cabbage, it's it, people are just kind of not really ready to admit. It's like it's it's almost like it's it's a badge of honor to say that yeah, I read it, I liked it, I was I was I was I, I ate it up, and it was refreshing, breath fresh air. Right. But it's just it's what it, it's as if they're embarrassed to just say I I I because they'll be. They'll be the odd man out. It's like, oh, you didn't like it, and and it's you know like finding your cousin attractive. It's just one of those things where it's just like that's. that's... Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you, know, you know, I don't, uh, I don't remember. Uh, and again, I'm if I was at home, I could look it up, but I don't, it, I don't remember when Sinkevich took over New Mutants. Did it, did it help or hurt sales? I feel like the book wasn't doing that well commercially, right? I don't think, I don't think it was, which is why, because because I think. By then, McLeod left, and I think Sal Bushima was drawing it. Um, yeah. And I think I think it was one of those things where it's just like, listen, we're gonna we're, we're we're gonna we're gonna give it a kick in the ass, and it was it it was kind of like perfect timing. And and if, if that was if that's what they needed to shake it up, then it definitely shook it up. But I don't think it was like it wasn't like oh, we're getting fan favorite Bill Sinkevich to draw New Mutants now, or you loved them on right, Moon Knight. Right. And it's not like if you loved them on Moon Knight, this wasn't the guy you were no, getting anything. No. Um, no, knowing Marvel, if the book was doing well before Sinkevich, they would have never allowed no, that it. to happen. They would have just no. kept with the tried and true and just kept, you know, filling the coffers. But um what was I going to say? Um up to those guys that do do single images and commissions and do make a living on that and 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 want to be a sequential artist, you better get your your uh, yourself in gear because, like Dave Sims says, you have two thousand bad pages in you before you get to the good stuff. Is it two thousand? It's right, two thousand right. bad pages before you get to the good stuff. Yeah. Or is it? No, it's it's no, no, no. It's two thousand pages, but is it also like a thousand hours? Or so? is, is there something? Is, is there is there a, a number of hours? Ten thousand hours. Thank you. Ten thousand hours, yeah, yeah. But that's—I mean—that's so for everything. Pages. Like ten thousand hours to, like, you know, yeah. per, throw the perfect pitch things. Like, okay, all right. But yes, two thousand right. pages. I remember Sims. Okay. I did have something to say, but I can't remember what it was. So oh. I get—I get—I guess it must have been a lie. Oh, it, you know so. what? It'll come to me later on in the episode, and I'll interrupt you and look like a jerk, but I don't care. So. Um. Well, speaking of. Well, yeah, God Country number three. Go read it because it's yes, it's very definitely. Fun. Yeah. Be, because um, I, I read a, a short story by Mr. Donny Cates um, the other day. Since you mentioned it, Vince, last week when we were talking about the Gold Key Star Trek book, mm-hmm. um, I I looked for the Waypoint anthology. No idea what to expect with this. These are these these are these are issues with two stories, all within some way, shape, or form. The Star Trek universe, whether it's from the original series or the series of novels or the Gold Key series, it does. If, if if it had Star Trek on it, some way, shape, or form, then it's it's fair game as far as this anthology series goes. And um, the the first issue, the the, the story over by by Donnie, uh, basically is just about Geordi and Data. Um, Set in the very far future of the next generation, um, and the, the artist by um, Mac Chater, and it's basically I, I like I said I read the first four issues of this, and um, 
I I liked almost all of it. There's um the the gold key story definitely feels although they got McCoy's shirt. He's wearing the blue, the medical blue in Waypoint, whereas in the Gold Key originals he was in green for some reason. But um the color scheme is is correct. The the the, the instruments and and the the cheesy kind of confrontation they have with the Klingons. Uh it, it all works within that that gold key realm. But um the the Voyager story was entertaining. I mean, it's it's a it's a neat anthology. I like the idea of it. Um, it sounds like so a cool spin. It it's uh, the second issue was the the Gold Key story and a um, traditional tra- Star Trek story, but it was a um, it was about the yeoman who um, uh, she. <laughs> Uh, Yeoman Leslie Thompson was the woman who was on the planet, um, uh, the unnamed planet where, um, she was basically turned into a cube salt with the other okay. red shirt. Yeah. Uh, and it was kind of, she was basically just, just, just telling a what if story. If, uh, you know, instead of, in, instead of kind of just, dying as as a block of of minerals um she could have saved the enterprise during the um the mirror mirror episode she could have um saved kirk from the doomsday machine so she she was kind of just there um and and that's how she would have liked to have been remembered as opposed to just you know dying on this on this planet um that's kind of cool yeah, they just it, it's they'll they'll just kind of um, it looks like the third issue. I wish IDW did the cover artist on the on the inside of the credits. I do believe yeah. the third issue has a cover by Daniel Warren Johnson. Uh, you would believe correctly. Right. Yeah, yeah, and it's a That's it's awesome. a Voyager um, it's a Voyager cover. Uh, however, um, yeah, the, there's a Voyager story and a. Deep Space Nine story, uh, with, written by Cecil Castellucci. Um, wow. The, no, the, the, the creators on this are kind of, you know, no joke. They, um, the art on that, uh, Yeoman Thompson story is, is really good too. There's a, um, uh, Next Generation story in the first, in the fourth issue and a Star Trek Enterprise story in the fourth issue as well, which, um, is written by uh, Vivek J. Tawari, who wrote the... Uh, oh, Pistito. nice. Yep. Pistito, yeah. Um, and Hugo Petrus is the artist, and it's it lo- it's a great-looking story, um, and it's about John Archer as a young boy uh, living with his parents in um, upstate New York. Um, he's connected, and, and uh, they're about to leave for San Francisco to go out to Starfleet. Um but he won't, you know, his, his father's like, you know, take, take the dog with you. And he's like, I'm not taking the dog with me. And he goes and, and he, and he runs out onto the frozen lake and ice isn't, uh, strong enough. He falls under, but apparently there was an alien there to kill him. And then this beagle shows up and it, it's a really cool time travel story because he, it, his dog, the dog that he left at home wasn't the dog that saved him. And he was reading a report how there was a, um, 
there were there was an alien sent back in time to kill him when he was a boy so he wouldn't grow up to be the captain but there was a member of his crew that was sent back to make sure the assassination was thwarted and it turns out that the beagle that rescued him was the beagle that was with him on the ship in on the show um so i mean it's just it's it's a neat little you know listen i got I got a twelve issue Star Trek story I want to tell, and you know it could be just so it's it's not it, it it's not tied into you know anything else that IDW's doing none of the other crossovers. It's just you know if, if you don't feel like reading an Enterprise series, then here's a short story about it. And and um, but the art and the, the creators they have on it, like I said, are um are rather uh, Star Trek worthy. You you mentioned Gordon Purcell on the um on the Gold Key story, which is right. Um. Yeah, at Rachel, Rachel Stott is an artist on one of the stories. It's, it, it all looks, it, it's a really slick package. And I think the fifth issue was, um, is solicited in, uh, this month's preview. So I don't know how often, I don't know if it's a bi-monthly thing. I don't know how often the series comes out, but thanks for mentioning it, Vince. Cool. Uh, you know what? Confession. I, I don't know if this is something, uh, of which I should be shamed to admit, but I have never seen an episode of Voyager. Nor I, I. Well, now that um, BBC America is playing it, I've seen more now that, and they started on the um, on New Year's Day. They did a marathon, and now like it's, a couple nights a week. Am I to assume that John Archer is the captain of Voyager? No, he's the captain. That that's the Scott Bakula character on uh, on Star Trek Enterprise, the the last. Oh, series. I've never seen that either. I no. haven't either. I haven't seen one episode of that. Um, Voyager just kind of annoyed me um, when it came on, and and I, I wasn't feeling no Deep Space Nine replacement anyway. But this was uh, I just I didn't like the idea of it. I, 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 just something about it bugged me. It had nothing to do with Janeway yeah, or, or yeah, or Captain. It just there's something. About, I, I think just the whole it was uh, okay, fine. So they're stranded there, and, and that's the hook. But it's like nobody in the crew really. Excited me. I wasn't digging Neelix and, and it was just, it was weird, but I have started watching episodes. Now. I mean, not with any, um, not with any consistency where, you know, I, I'm watching it from one episode to the next or to see what kind of story that they're, they're trying to tell. But, um, it is, uh, I guess maturity. It, it's, it's, it's better than I gave it credit for at the time. But you would right. think that I would want to watch it because like seven of nine. But Hub, she's not Hubba she's not for the last couple seasons. Oh, they, really? She's not there. Yeah, no, they because I think she replaces um Neelix who's like the 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 chef and the chief oh, okay. um, uh morale officer. He his girlfriend Kess um the girl with the short blonde bob haircut on when all the promo images she I I think her her race um they a, they're, they're like Mayflies. They 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 age and and die quickly. And um, they uh, I think I, I guess when she left the show or when they killed her off, that's when they brought Jerry Ryan on um, because they do end up meeting the Borg a couple of times. And I don't know how they get Seven to join the crew and and just be part. But I mean, they they're kind of jumping around. I don't think they've shown anything from the last season, but they've they've shown some episodes with Seven and. Even those aren't, I mean, she's, 
it's weird because they almost it's almost like they have two Vulcans on the show because they have they have Tuvok and now they have Seven of Nine and they're both very unemotional and, so and cold and right. So um I hate those people. I'll be it'll be interesting to hey, see. So, uh, sorry, yeah. I was just gonna say I'm I'm pulling into the house, so I, I'm gonna lose you when I disconnect from Bluetooth. So I'll dial you back in a minute or two once I get upstairs. Okay. No, you mm-hmm. won't dial us back. Just uh, I'll dial you because um, it won't work. Okay, then uh, yeah. I'll just I'll slack you or text you when I'm I'm ready in a couple minutes. All right. All right. All right. All right. Thanks. Um, yeah, and and uh, Netflix is not doing Voyager any favors because no? because the you know the little promo montage that comes up when you select yeah a show oh it's horrible it, it looks like it looks like the budget was like maybe thirteen fifty oh really yeah it's just bad it's bad all right um. I've got to get to this book because I've been putting it off for three weeks so far. I've been I've been shunting this to the side. No, 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 no. Um, from Fanographics, there's a revolution underway at Fanographics, and and you you guys better pay attention because um, it's it's starting to snowball, and it all starts with this book. Um, it's written by my man, the man that I love so much, Mr. Josh Bayer. Uh, pencils by the great, and that's not an understatement. It's okay to say that because it's true. The great Herb Trimpey. Mm-hmm. Inks by Benjamin Mara. Good God. It's genius to, to, to combine Mara with Trimpey. I would have never in a million years conceived Mara's inks over Trimpey's pencils, but they work so well. It's like it, it's like they were made for each other. Um, color art by Alessandro Echebarria, I believe. Letters sure. by Rick Parker did the letters. Okay, now I need to see these letters. Okay, because I mentioned something today. You did. That's why I said it. That's. I'm glad. That's why you said it. The letters are great in this book. Good. Yeah. Good. Um, and I got the Johnny Ryan cover. I believe, I believe they are, there are two covers. Jim Rugg did the other one. It is called, uh, from All Time Comics, Crime Destroyer, number one. Do you, do you, uh, get why Bayer, and I'm assuming his brother, uh, Sam, cause this is like a, they're, they're the two powerhouses of this All Time Comics line, Bayer and Sam Bayer. Um, why it's called All Time Comics? From what I can glean, I mean, I've yet to talk to him. I have something in the works, but All Time Comics. It's not the past. It's not future. It's not the present or the future. It's All Time. So the gist of this this comics line is they're they're taking um. The season pros like Herb Trimpey, and and this is Herb Trimpey's last work, his last yes. his final sequential work. Al Milgram is involved. Did he complete it? I mean, is it a complete story by Herb, or did he like? No, just... it's it's complete. Okay. Yeah. Well, yes, it's a done in one that leaves room for um, further extrapolations with these characters, but. Essentially, it's a done and But it's not like he didn't throw out two pages and someone had to... No, it's completely trimpy. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
they're 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 commingling the the past with the the present and the future. Mara on Trimpy, it's just it boggles my mind how perfect it is. Um, both cut from the same cloth. They like the wide, and the I mean, I'll be honest, Trimpy could get a little. Blocky, stiff? a little blocky and stiff at times, and Mara is. You know they bend at the knees, right, Herb? Yeah, Mara is intentionally so. I mean that's right. that's part of his shtick. Yeah. The the uh, faux naivete of Mara's work works really well with Trimpy's work, yep. but um, it is a scream. This book is is so much fun. Uh, the the uh, the title character. Crime Destroyer is is really uh, Stem DeFreeze, and and he was a war vet. Came home, you know, trying to rebuild his life. Um, he and his wife open a, a neighborhood um, shop, grocery store type thing, convenient shop, whatever. Um, and there's a home invasion or a shop invasion that goes south quickly. His wife and child are killed. Stem hunts down the perps that. That did it, and he kills them. But he doesn't stop there. He becomes the crime destroyer. Now, when Stem was in the army, you know, you make buddies in the army. One of his buddies, unfortunately, uh, his name's Titan Brown. He's incarcerated. Stem or um, crime destroyer goes to see him in costume. <laughs> and if if you look at crime destroyer's costume, he has two massive fists. On his shoulders. Now, Crime uh, Destroyer is an African-American, as as is uh, Mr. Brown, who's currently incarcerated. And um, goes to see him, and Titan tells him, yeah, I, I can't protect my family in here, blood. you, you got to help me out. Keep an eye on him. So uh, Stam is true to his word, and uh, sure enough, Titan's daughter... Angie has fallen in with a bad crowd, a really bad crowd, because um, she is uh, captive, we believe, uh, by a satanic underground cult, uh, the cult of Wotan, under the leadership of the White Warlock. Um, and the Warlock plans to make Angie his slave bride during the Festival of Samhain. And Stepping Stone. They plan to attack the surface world with an army of Wotan worshippers transformed by some strange machinery they conveniently found in the tunnels underneath uh, the city. Um, they somehow have repurposed these machines to emit ultramatter power. And that's not good. Because not only are we introduced to Crime Destroyer in this issue, we also meet... Atlas. Atlas is a cross between Supreme and Superman. He's extremely powerful. Um, when when uh, Atlas and uh, Crime Destroyer meet up, th- they know each other. Uh, they've had they have history, and Crime Destroyer uses guns. He's like a Punisher, cut from that cloth. Like he does not hesitate to kill the bad people. Uh, the people he deems bad. And um, Atlas is, you know, a blonde Superman. So um, Crime Destroyer drives around in a black pony, uh, black Firebird. He's like, 
This thing is amazing. Um, and they have words, and, and Atlas just is like, fuck it. He takes the, the Pontiac, flies into the air with Crime Destroyer still in the car, and perches it on top of a skyscraper spire. And he's talking to him. And it does not phase Crime Destroyer in the least. Jumps out of the car, swings around. He's like, you took my guns. <laughs> and, and they're 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 you know they're having a little volley back and forth, um, but it it it's all in the spirit of the Silver Age, but not so much. Like it's hard to describe. It's very Silver Age. Like Mars' work and Bayer's work are Silver Age, but they're also there, there's a part of the comics making process that goes beyond the narrative. Yes, there's a story to be had, but this is simultaneously um, a piece of sequential art, but it's also an art object. Like, so much love is infused in each one of these panels that, on their own, they make superb single images. But it's sequential, right? So it works as that, too. It's, like, I, I had very high expectations going into this. What with it being from... My boo, Josh Bayer. One of your boos. What, what, yeah. And, and, and Ben Mara. I love Trimpy. Like, th- this book is a complete experience. There's a faux ad on the back page for all-time comics holiday costumes. You can send oh, in for just nine ninety nine. You can get the Bullwhip or, or Justice or Atlas or Crime Destroyer costume. And it shows the heroes and children wearing their costumes it's uh there there's a, a text page there's a memoriam for uh herb trimpy by josh bayer with an illustration of herb by jim rugg there's a pinup of bullwhip by shaky kane al milgram reviews prison pit book one by johnny ryan and just doesn't get it <laughs> he does not get it but um, one of the MVPs, can there be more than one MVP or there has to be just one? Sure. Well, there's usually – it's the most valuable player. All right. An essential part of this experience, how's that, is is the, the color artist, Alessandro Echebarria. The colors in this book are atypical. You have to see it to really appreciate it. I mean these colors are screaming. And there's no pussyfooting. I'm going to put a screaming magenta and butt it up against this deep Kelly green, like planet Kelly green from, from last week. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the character design is amazing. Uh, you know, and it's, it's, the story is, is great, but there's a lot of nudge, nudge, wink, winking going on, but it's not poking fun. At traditional superheroes, which you would expect, right, from an underground or indie cartoonist, like, oh, man, I'm too cool for school. I'm not going to buy into that stuff. Let's make fun of it. There's no chuckles here. They're not – Bayer's not making fun of superhero comics. He's embracing it mm-hmm. and and doing it his own way. That's why this issue is – it's just – I like I said, um, I had – Extremely high expectations for this, and this issue exceeded everything that I could have possibly hoped for. 
in this in this issue. It sets the bar really high, though. But knowing Bayer and company, they're going to reach it every time. And why I say there's a revolution going on, this all-time comics imprint has opened the door for these dudes at Fanagraphics. Like Benjamin Mara on his Facebook uh, thing just announced that um, Night Business, Night business yeah. is going to be an upcoming graphic novel from Fanagraphics. Now, we've, yes. only, we've only seen part of Night Business. We reviewed it way back, way, way back when. Yeah. Um, but he, that was only, I believe, four chapters of it, and he's added more. So there's all new stuff in this graphic novel coming out. But the thing, the, the important part is that All Time Comics was the inroad to Bayer and Mara being published by Fanagraphics. Now I'm wondering, and this is one of the questions I'm going to ask him when we finally hook up. Um, because I had a, an interview scheduled with Bayer and um, Tornado came through, knocked my power out. It got jostled. And then uh, Bayer went to the West Coast for promotion on this all-time comics line. We didn't hook up yet. But I'm wondering if Rob Power and Seth and all Bayer's self-published works are going to be republished at Fanagraphics in high quality editions. See, once, I like it. Yeah, once you get your foot in the door, man. I mean, it seems that Groth and company have embraced this imprint. Why not? It's perfect. It's flawless, right? Why not keep that train going? If Mara has a graphic novel coming out from Fanagraphics, Bayer cannot be far behind. So. The eleven o'clockers are a long way away, <laughs> but I'm I'm just saying I'm just saying that you're saying you're just saying it's going to be tough, extremely tough, to eclipse what Bayer and Trimpy and Mara and and all the all time comics guys are are doing um, at Fanographics. It's just I'm so happy. You are. This is my kind of comics. And it's 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 raw, but it's not explicit. Like, it, you can give this book to a teen, and it would be perfectly acceptable. It it's it's not again. It, it's not an underground interpretation of a superhero book. It's just flat out straight superheroes, uh-huh. in, as envisioned by a, a, a bunch of guys who don't walk the same walk as the the guys that did it in the Silver Age. This is right. just their take on it, and it's just flat out perfect. That's the word I'm going to use for this. Crime Destroyer number one was perfect. And Jason's here. Look at that, how... I see he missed the whole thing, though. But that's okay. I'll listen to it later. <laughs> I doubt that, but that's yeah. okay. No, because you tell him what it was about. Nah, he can catch up. Why is he, he busy? That is just so weird. Skype is telling me he's busy. It's so stupid. But I guess you get what you pay for. Does the alcohol content 
in wine get more potent as it stands? Because I only had one glass of this. <laughs> I don't think and it's, so. It's making me a little stupid. I mean, what did you? No, I didn't have anything before. To drink or to eat? Oh, to eat, yeah. Yeah, I did. Well, let's give Mr. Wood try another try. Again. Yeah, try again. Here he comes. Someone who's giddy. Walking think. down the street. Yeah. There he is. Oh, good to have you. Jason, um, I, talked, I talked about Crime Destroyer number one. So you're just going to have to. Oh, you to, did? I did. You're just going to have to. Why, did you get it too? Uh, I want to because I, 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 you mentioned it and then um, and I told you that Ron was gushing about it too. Yeah. Uh, but it was dope. I definitely got it. Really in, cool. in a word, it's perfect. Oh, it's awesome. Yes. Trimpy with Mara. That's quite a pairing. Isn't it? Yeah, but when you think about it, it's it's so perfect. It's, it's inconceivable that, I, like I said, I would never, ever have thought, like, hey, we have Herb Trimpy's last pencils pages. Who are we going to get to ink this, to embellish this? Um, I don't know. Uh, ben Mara? <laughs> like, he would have not have been. And, you know, you know how much love I have for Mara too. It's it's just it's it's um, it's perfect. All right, let's That's move. Fantastic. Let's move on. What All else right. do we have? Dap had an interesting uh, topic I saw in the episode notes thread. For conversation. Oh, you did like that. Okay. Why did you think I didn't? No, I didn't. Oh, I, I wasn't sure if it was like I wasn't sure if it was shrugworthy or something that we could actually kind of go into and and pros and cons as to why they fall where they fall. Well, we should probably uh, start by giving some thoughts on the uh, the movie at hand. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, now Vince <laughs> is going to go dry Vince for a while. said last week he wasn't he had no intentions of watching it and then uh I, yeah. Well, you know, in in uh service to the show, I figured what the hell 2 hours of my life watched a buzz busted version of the movie. I out still there. saw the yeah. movie. I still saw it. <laughs> and uh <laughs> you know, I, I would like to be in on the conversation to a point, oh, right? Why not? Um, Jason and David are, of course, talking about the uh, the Logan movie that has done very well, right? Correct. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, it is uh, further instantiating the fact that R-rated superhero movies are not only uh, something to consider, but are something that uh, can make bank, right. big bank. Right. I when when done well, when done right, when not. I mean, there was a reason why Logan Logan was rated R compared to the previous X movies, with the exception of Deadpool, because there were f bombs galore. There was, I mean, he was putting claws through foreheads and cheeks, whereas before, you know, he'd show you, you'd see him slicing someone, but you wouldn't be so so gratuitous. So there was there was a reason why this should have been an R rated movie. So because it was a a well-told story uh, that just happened to be rated R, I think it works. If you're just going to try to, oh, well, the last two superhero movies were rated R and they made money, I, that's not 
that that should not be the reason why you want to make an R-rated superhero movie. I agree. I agree. That's fair. Um, I thought the language was funny. How how Wolverine kept throwing f bombs around. It to, to me, it was like mom and dad aren't home. I, I can say whatever I want to say, and it a lot of the times it just didn't fit the situation. Like hmm. he he was so willing to to throw that word around because he could. Maybe we should maybe we should get this out of the way. Uh, Vince disliked the movie immensely, uh, which is. <laughs> Normally he has such good taste on what happened here. Um, and David and I both like the movie. Cool. Yes. Yeah. Uh, although um, to to make Vince happy, um, Renee is pretty much in the same camp with Yay. Vince. Yeah. Uh, she she found it. To, she um, she was not happy. She 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 was not. Um, there, there were. She, she was, she was upset. Frankly, um, she does not. She, we had. I, I, I knew it was the final movie with Hugh and with Patrick Stewart, and um, that that's all I knew. I didn't know um, how definitive it was going to be for them. And I think Renee was kind of just expecting them to maybe walk off or wheelchair off into the sunset. And, um, it, 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 to see, to see them both, um, old and frail and, and not how they've been for the past 17 years is it was, it was, she that, that that's not why she wanted to go see the movie. So she right. she was definitely not. Um, we actually, in order to kind of um, pick her up a bit on uh, on Saturday night, we ended up uh, we we watched the Wolverine because she's never seen it in its entirety. So um, she didn't want to see Days of Future Past. She's like, oh, that's the one where she's got her hands on either side of his head. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's. So she goes, yeah, well, let's watch Wolverine. So we watched that one. So at least she got to see him. You know, yeah, he was still a little fucked up for most of that movie, but um, at least he was more of his fighting self. So she, she at least enjoyed that. But uh, but she is very much in Vince's camp. Yeah, I'm just gonna get my BS out of the way. Then all you can tell you both <laughs> you can tell everybody why they should go see this. I I just felt that that it, it fluctuated between extremely boring and extremely depressing. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a completely ignominious end to Professor X. the The way that they, the way that he is dispatched, was ridiculous. That 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 character that just happens to pop up was ridiculous. Huh. I just thought it was silly. Like, oh, by the way, we have a doppelganger that oh, we, dude, that, that no. we made. No, dude, that's yes. from the comics, bro. I know, but, but I, it's, it's, I know, but I didn't like that either. Oh, okay. Well. But we saw, but, but, but with we, Albert we without LCD is, I don't. I yes, no. I no, I know. I was I, I was looking for a little girl, but at least um, it's not like they he just popped up because when when Bryce was like, listen, we. We don't need we don't need the kids anymore. We have uh, the spoilers. We have we have X twenty four. 
let's just we we can destroy everything else. So we knew, and all I was trying to figure out was what the hell was X twenty four, and and yeah, because you see the montage with the right. the X ray or whatever it is, yeah. and it's like oh X twenty four. I would have liked to have seen a little bit of visual spice with the kids. I'm not talking Artie and Leech, but just like <laughs> make the kids a little bit something to look at. Like they're just a group of kids. Yeah. Right. And and the scene where. They cut his facial hair because <laughs> that's what kids would do with a with a with a comatose dude. They'd cut his. No, it just no, doesn't make any sense no to me. TV. They got nothing else going on. Yeah. Well, well let's it's cut his play on writing on a, on their on his face while he's sleeping, and it was to have him. <laughs> it was to have him look like old man Logan in the comics. Right. It's so so. It's it's an opportune moment that seems incredibly contrived when you think about it. Like it just doesn't make any sense. These kids would not cut. A man's facial hair, but, but that's bes- that, no. That's just besides the point. I just, I guess, the main thing I didn't find Caliban interesting at all. Uh, it, it's just the, the the main the main beef I guess I have with the movie is to see Professor X pissing his pants, and then <laughs> and then just like eating eating through a straw, and and dispatch that way, the way that he he did go. That I was, not that was it. I was not happy so, with that. So it's interesting because I think since Wolverine is is one of my favorite characters, right? I got a lot of the oh my god, did you see Logan? Um, <laughs> and I will say that um, this is one of those films that uh, because I have such incredible biases about, um, I liked but I didn't love. Mm-hmm. So I don't actually disagree with many of your points you're making, I guess. But when you put it to us, when we were talking about it earlier this week, you put it to us like it was a terrible movie. And I think objectively, from a filmmaking standpoint, this is one of the best, if not the best, mutant movies that has been made. I totally Um, agree with you on that. Yeah, which is why I think it's getting such wide critical acclaim by a lot of people who either don't care about Wolverine or dislike the character. Um for completely different reasons than why Deadpool was celebrated, but in the same vein where a lot of, there were a lot of comic geeks that said something to the, the nature of never really liked Deadpool in the comics, but the movie was good. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I'm hearing a lot of that with Logan. So I get that. Um, but I think the movie itself is a better movie, thus appealing to the general audience than it was a perfect ending for me as a Wolverine fan for the Wolverine character that in particular, Hugh Jackman, and, you know, playing this character for nearly 20 years. Yeah, agree. agree. Um, so, uh, I mean, for me, I have to bifurcate it into the things I liked and, and really made the movie and why I said I liked it and the things that bothered me. So starting it off far, by far at the top of the list, things I like were X-23. I thought they did a great job with Laura. Um, I, I, I think, you know, to find a girl that's a, young, you know, legitimately young girl, I don't know how old the actress is, but, but she, you know, she she's a, barely a teenager if that. Um, she kicked all sorts of ass, and it's not too often you see a little girl like playing the, you know, the, like the badass assassin that, that she was in this, which was cool. Um, I disagree with you on the Patrick Stewart. I loved seeing him this way. I love the setup of it being a, a a future where where things have gone tits up for the mutants, and he's sort of at his wit's end. I, I thought the most endearing part of the film was the the fact that uh, you know. 
like an old man, like Logan wanted to heat up on with Professor X and he took care of him like, like a father, like we were talking about earlier with, uh, with the father son dynamic. I, I think it spoke volumes that, that, that Logan was, um, purely driven at this point in his life to find a way to give Charles, you know, peace in his last years, just like many, many sons have done for their, uh, aging or dying parents over the years. And I, so I loved that. I thought that was great. Um, with you on the Caliban thought it was, it was, it was, we need to insert another mutant into the story so that it's not just the two of them. Let's give them Caliban. I not a fan of that at all. Um, didn't think he really served any purpose whatsoever. We didn't even get to see him use his powers. And I realized they're not visual powers cause he's a tracker, but I don't know that, uh, like my kids and my wife seeing it, they, they, they didn't even really get so much that he had a power for that. Right. Like, they, like when he's captured by the Reavers, they say it and they say they're going to use him to find him, but, but you, you don't ever get a sense as to that that's his thing. You know, for all you, for all that all the audience knows, he's just a guy that's good at finding people. So, um, so that was why that was a weak sauce. I, I agree with you there. I didn't like that. Um, I, um, I personally have an issue <laughs> With the idea of of adamantium poisoning, I, I, I don't, and I know this is a comic book nerd gasm thing. Like this is like what we were talking about a little a week or two ago about the little things that bother you that that most people think is ridiculous that it bothers you. I don't understand how a guy that's had the adamantium in his body and has been nigh indestructible for you know the better part of a hundred years suddenly loses the ability to process that in his body and kills him. Like that doesn't make any sense to me. Um, but again, that's a nitpick and, and just something I need to get over. Um, you, see, you would have to assume that the adamantium is not inert, right? Because if it was just adamantium, it, it is what it is, it, right? So mm-hmm. for it to attack his, his body, the healing factor would have to be, um, compounded right so it's taking it's taking care of it for x amount of years but then now the healing factor can't keep up with it meaning that the adamantium is somehow active when it just is it didn't yeah, no, it, it, it didn't change it's just the same um concoction that it always was sure so yeah i don't um, get i don't get that either I, and, I unless when it was put back yeah after no, the, after right. the bone claws maybe something happened i don't know um, I, I didn't mind uh, the way they've depicted the kids. Um, you know, interestingly, we got a lot of names that were evocative of new mutants or or other young mutants. Um, you know, Richter and but 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 the thing is, is they obviously aren't the same characters from the comics. I suspect these kids will play a role sure. in the upcoming mutant movies because they are going to do the new mutants. So I suspect that uh, that uh, they, they you know these these kids will be part of that, but they'll just be. Same code names, different powers, different kids. Um, which I, I'll, I'll reserve judgment on that until I see them in a more fully fleshed out way. Um, uh, I, I think, as is typical of almost every Marvel movie, the villains leave a lot to be desired. Yeah, uh, and you know that's been true since Iron Man. Uh, the villains just don't ever. Rarely do the villains match up to the intensity and magnitude and impressiveness that the heroes do. Uh, and in this case. Um, it's you know uh, th- that part of the X Men lore with the Reavers and Donald Pierce, uh, I dug a lot. Um, 
And I just think that uh, probably because of budgetary reasons, everything that made the Reavers cool was taken away. In this right. Movie. Exactly. Uh, which, they were just which like... Is that, you know, for, for those that don't know and didn't read the X-Men back then, the Reavers were a band of, of, uh, of, of cyborgs or, or half, you know, cybernetic beings that uh, were a mercenary group that were, you know, uh, among other things, mutant killers. But, but they were led by Donald Pierce, who was a true cyborg. Um, but, but they had uh, all kinds of different guys with different powers. And there was one guy that was, uh, you know, from the torso up, he was human. But then from below, he was a tank. Um, but they were all just very visually, you know, cool side, different types of cyborgs that, uh, that, uh, all work together. And, um, we didn't really get that here. I mean, they were cyborgs, yes, but they were cyborgs because they had a cybernetic hand or cybernetic leg or cybernetic arm. And, um, and again, I realize there's budgetary issues, but, but, uh, that's another here and there. Now to, to David's point, I, I actually loved Albert. I thought the fight scenes were terrific. Um, accepting that that Logan is was dying in the movie I, I thought they did a great job of showing him uh you know effective in spurts but but how much it was costing him and how he couldn't be his usual self I thought that was great um uh I, I thought the movie had heart I really did um why I, I while it wasn't the way I wanted to see that character go out I don't think the choices made were like ridiculous um uh, you know, in essence, he's handing off the baton to, to Laura, which is what happens in the comics. And, um, you know, while it's a little ham handed, I, I, I definitely was feeling the, the end when, when, uh, and again, I even spoil Laura a few times now, but for some reason, if you're still listening and you don't, uh, you know, when Laura takes the, the, the cross and makes it into an X, I, yeah, yeah. I, I like that a lot. That was a nice yeah. touch. Um, so yeah, like I think for me, the good outweighed the bad, especially because I think it was a well, well choreographed film. But it's it's not, and leading to to David's talking point that we're going to get into, it's it's not my my it's not like easily my favorite X Men related movie. Um, it, it's it's an acceptable end to the Hugh Jackman era. Um, wrapped in a good film but it's it's yeah i mean it's it's not like i didn't walk out of the theater pumping my fist saying holy shit like i did after walking out of deadpool right so and i guess you wouldn't though right like that's the difference right this is the end. <laughs> like this is it is a depressing film and we should say stylistically um i've seen a lot of people like lazily say this is old man logan it's not old man logan at all no. um the, the only things that that have in common are the the hairdo homage to your point when the kids cut his hair, um, which is how his hair is worn as old man Logan. And the fact that he's, you know, it's, it's set in the future, but, but old man Logan is a, a dystopian tale, um, in the far flung future that, uh, is, is nothing at all like this. This, this movie is essentially, um, uh, it's like lone wolf and cub more than, than, then that's a good Old comparison yeah 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 it's 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 a which is a it's like a you know it's a samurai film really like a ronin it's like it's it's a it's a western it's it's a western setting and uh there's a lot of western tropes in it. it's a guardian guardian and uh and um uh dependent right trying to get them to safety i mean that's really at the heart of it so uh so i think there are definitely comparisons to be made but i don't think old man logan is really one of them no there, there's no venom t-rex or or hulk yeah there's no hulk yeah. yeah there's no hawkeye blind hawkeye and 
uh, yeah, it's just not, it's not, just not there. But, uh, right. but I, so I, Jack, I, you told us what, what Renee didn't like, but, but what did you like? Um, I pretty much, I, I, I liked it from start to finish. I, um, I pretty much accepted, uh, everything that they were, they were telling us that they were showing us. I, I had no problem, um, believing that over time, I mean, he's, he's close to, he's so 200 years old. Over time, your body, yes, he's got the healing factor, but he's still, he, he's still as old as he is. He's not immortal. So if, if, if his body is being poisoned by what's in him, if, if, if he can't fight that anymore because he's getting older, then, then I am, I just, I'm like, all right, that's what we're telling. That's, that's the story you're going with. And I'm going along with it for the ride here. Um, the one part I thought really didn't do anything except we needed to move the story along. We needed to get from here to here was for Logan to tell Caliban to go get rid of Pierce. Because if, if, if Caliban can't do a damn thing out in the sun, you're going to have faith that he's going to accomplish this task while you, what, while you just hang out at, at, at Chuck's side in the bed and, and, and that, that was just, that was obviously just there so that Pierce could get the upper hand and, and come back with the crew to, again, just move the story along. So aside from that, um, once that silliness was put out of the way, I, I, I think they did a, a great job of setting everything up as far as this is the year 2029. Um, pretty much aside from Xavier's not quite deathbed, well, premature deathbed confession and knowing that the Reavers had tracked and hunted and destroyed mutants between those two, um, stories, we, we know that pretty much it's just Charles and Logan. And Caliban and, and, and that's pretty much it. And of course the kids, but, um, I, no, I, I really, I, I was pretty much just glued to my seat watching it all happen. Uh, there really wasn't aside from, aside from that one part with Caliban and Pierce, there really wasn't anything. And I mean, I, and I understood the whole, you know, I mean, they, they, when Pierce comes back, and, you know, he's telling Caliban, he's like, listen, you used to work for us. You used to work for these guys. We know you can track down. I, I thought that just, they basically, they laid it all out as far as why they kept Caliban around, what his purpose was. Um, so I didn't, I, I didn't mind that either. Uh, I just, if the, uh, it, it veered into silly with the, um, uh, the, the comics were going to to lead the way, but you know that that if that's what she wanted to believe. If that's what Gabriella wanted to believe, that's what's going to get these. Which it ended up actually being true. Uh, but I mean, there, there were there were little moments where um, you know she pushes Logan's leg out of the way, but only one of them because she needs one to sit on so she can look over the steering wheel. I mean, there were just little things that that. Mm-hmm. As I'm watching it, it just, it, it was, it was a really, I felt it was a, a well done movie. I thought it was, um, I mean, there, there are things where I'm sure 
I'll watch it again. And there might be things I, I can nitpick and, and, and yeah, it's still, you know, when it, when it comes time to making those lists, when, when the thing that's in your mind, it's, it's still fresh, usually, um, shines brighter than, than everything yeah. else on the list, no matter where, uh, how great things were before. But, um, I, I really, between, I, I, I blew my, I mean, we were watching the credits at the beginning. It blew our mind. I'm like, all right, where the hell is Eric LaSalle going to play? And, and as soon as he shows up, Renan and I are like, all right, yeah, there he is. And that was, and that, that was one of those parts where you, that, that, that too was also, uh, that, that hurt a little bit. And, and even then, it's like, you know, this, this man who just lost his family, he's, he's standing in front of the person that kind of just brought all this, all this drama and tragedy to his, into his life. And, and he still, he, he's going to pull the trigger. And, and of course we know what happens, but it was just it, the whole, it, it almost, it, it's, I don't know where since it's, since Mangold also directed the Wolverine, I don't know how that movie who who was involved in having that movie go so far off the rails that this that that logan actually kind of just stayed on course and and told a really good story from beginning to the end mm-hmm. yeah i i kind of have a problem with the uh charlie's decision to to enter the family's house because okay. he, he especially logan knew the kind of people that were after Laura. They saw firsthand what these people do with Laura's mother. And yet, mm-hmm. and yet, hey, his family's going to take us in, give us a meal. I think it would be a really good idea if we go into their, their home. Like, where, knowing what you know, where is that a good idea? It's, it's not going to come out good. For mm-hmm. any, for anybody, right? So so you have an entire family destroyed by their decision to just sit back and you know get some soup. Yeah, no, I think and and even because even Logan's like it's it's not a good idea. We got to keep moving. But I think and and it's I'll I'll reach. I'll I'll make excuses or, or defend. I'll just say that you know it's 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 another example of of Charles just being gone. It, it's you could, he, he yeah, wants yeah. he's he, he's he, he wants to give Laura some semblance of of a family. It's like well, th- this is what this is what could be, and yeah, it might be our it might be all of our last nights on Earth, but at least you'll see what a family could be like. There you go. But he doesn't really even know her. He knows her for like what two days. But he he, I, I get it. I get it. Right. <laughs> I, I get the 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 the. the the uh, desire for normalcy when you're a mutant and everybody in the world hates you because you're different. I, I, I you know, I understand that, but it just seemed, in in a, in terms of story, it didn't, it doesn't render the main characters all that intelligent or 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 caring, right? When when you would accept that kind of collateral damage for this young mutant to just have a shot at a real life. For just the briefest of moments, I, that, you know, that's all I'm saying. But just to give the film a little bit of praise, I thought visually it was by far the best looking X movie because the cinematography is great. That that enclosure when we first see that building that that Charlie's incarcerated in, yeah, it, it, lo- it just looks re- it looks really great. 
Uh-huh. And, you know, the fight scenes are are great. I, I have no qualms with the look of the movie. It was just the content. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, you know. And then the ending, like, I could not care less by that point. <laughs> I like the um, the callbacks to all the other movies. They mentioned the Statue of Liberty. You mm-hmm. see the samurai sword. You see yet another set of dog tags. There's, it's... It it felt it didn't feel like just another chapter of 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 the of the story of these characters. It it felt like the end, and and I think that um because there weren't even it's I mean if if you really what what what's that they there was one final not even a trailer teaser sort of thing. There was one final thing before the movie actually started. But after the studio crawl for Deadpool, but even after, even after Laura turns the cross into an X and the credits roll, there are no teasers, there are no stingers, there's nothing during or after the credits letting you know that this is, this is it. There's nothing to look forward to. You don't have to worry about, you know, don't, no, no see Wolverine next in, this is it. And, um, I would have even liked to see them dispense with the Marvel montage in the beginning of the movie. Well, that that they had they, they tweaked that obviously for um, because it's Fox and because they have the mutants, um, which is why you didn't see the Marvel Studios characters. But um, this was the I don't think I even I don't know if we saw that at the beginning of Daredevil. I know we usually see the Marvel or in conjunction with Marvel, but I don't remember seeing the the, the page turns before any of the other mutant movies. Mm. Yeah, I think that's probably indicative of the new partnership, right? That could be. There you go. But yeah. But anyway, so uh, but Dap, what was the what was the talking point that you wanted? Well, to I I said um, excluding Deadpool because Which for various reasons I I can't. say again can't no, can't exclude it. Okay. No, I well the reason why I do. Okay. Th- this there's been there have been. Excluding Deadpool, there have been nine X-Men movies mm-hmm. since 2000 to now. So, as we tend to do when another chapter has been released for something we've enjoyed, we we, we tend to want to rank them, to, to list them from, from best to worst or descending order, however you want to do it. Um, so, based on, on Logan... Where the year nine rank. Now, the reason I exclude Deadpool is because Deadpool is, it's, yes, it's, it's based in, in the Fox mutant universe, but, um, aside from a different Colossus, there was no, and, and, and him stopping by the mansion, there's really no connection to, the X-Men movies themselves. And, and because that, because Deadpool 2 is coming out and, and, and that, that series is continuing. And I'm not saying the X-Men series isn't, but I don't, I, I, I really, especially with, with this being Patrick Stewart's last movie, I, I don't really see the X-Men series continuing. So I just, I really mm-hmm. have a hard time including Deadpool in with the X movies, even though pretty much every 
everything associated with this universe is obviously going to include Deadpool. So if you want to include Deadpool, you can. I I don't on my list. Because it really is unfair to all the others. Because it, it is it's the best movie Fox has put out while they've had the rights to the mutants. They, yeah. they, there's, there's no, so it's, it, I mean, it, it, another reason that it's unfair for me is because it just, it blows everything else out of the water between, between the, the acting, the story, the, the, just the way everything laid out. Um, well, it's because the X it, movies are bad. <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, between, between costumes, between fight scenes, between effects, it's, it, there, it's very, every time I try to get excited, every time I'm watching something, I'm like, oh, that looks so cool. Then someone comes flying in or storm flicks her eyes or just something stupid mm-hmm. happens. And I'm like, yep, that they, they, they just blew it. It's like, it looked cool. And then somebody opened their mouth and it's just, it's, I, it, it annoys me to no end. So that said, my list from best to not, uh, Logan, X-Men first class. X2, X-Men Days of Future Past, The Wolverine, these two are kind of tied, X-Men Apocalypse, and X-Men The Last Stand, then X-Men, and finally, way, way, way down, X-Men Origins Wolverine. Well, you definitely have an out of consensus list, I'll give you that. I have a what? Out of consensus list. <laughs> really? Well, I I, I think uh, X Men Last Stand is, is is often referred to as the movie that shall not be named. I mean, that's the widely considered like one of the worst superhero movies ever made. So, and I, I on the bottom of your list. No, I know, and I, I I've seen I, I have I've seen and read and heard that from so many people, and and there are so many things to to look at the Last Stand and just scream at your screen about I mean it so so Warren is going to fly from San Francisco to Westchester only to watch the fucking Quinjet fly away back to San Francisco. <laughs> and and it, it, I mean there are just there's so many stupid things to be mad about with the last stand. Um but there are a few things that kind of offset it that that make it for me a little better than the first X Men movie. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, all right. So my list. Um, well, uh, in playing your by rules, uh, I won't include Deadpool, but if I did, it would be number one. Right. Um, for me, it would be uh, uh, X Men First Class. Okay. X Two. Uh, X Men, the original. Uh, the Wolverine, um, X-Men Days of Future Past, uh, and then, I mean, and then the, then X-Men Apocalypse, although that, that's far down the quality list, uh, <laughs> X-Men Origins Wolverine, and then X-Men Last Stand. Oh, I didn't put Logan in there. Uh, Logan would be, um, Logan would be... It would be ahead of Days of Future Past. So after X2, okay. Yeah. Well, no, it, X2 is my number one 
So, I, mean, I thought first two. class was number. No, my number two. First class uh, number no, no, one. No, 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 no. I, I said, I said, uh, X Men first class, X two, right? X Men, then the Wolverine. So I would put Logan. I think I enjoyed the Wolverine a little more than Logan. I think. I wanted to, but I just between between it, the effects when when yeah. the old man turns the young man, old man, and then the there's just something about the bone claws that just really. Oh, really bugging me. The only thing I remember about not liking about the Wolverine was that uh, all the villainesses need to eat some sandwiches. Yes, yeah, that's the other thing. Viper did absolutely nothing for me. Yeah, but the, but but let's be honest. I, I have to say, I mean, I, I do think to Vince's point, the the X Men film franchise has largely been a flop. Yeah. Most of these movies are highly flawed films. I mean, I, I for me, uh, the you know, X two and X Men First Class are like the, the only two outside of Logan, which I just acknowledge is a good film, and Deadpool that I would like say I like truly, truly, and happily would like rewatch without. Yeah, groaning a lot. You, you got, you're not going to make me make a list, are you? No, no. Okay, because I I despise all those movies. Yeah. It's just that the the thing is, you have one of Deadpool and all the rest. No, not Deadpool. Deadpool. I love Deadpool. That's but, what I'm saying. It's Deadpool right. and everything. Right, but you have one of the most visually arresting teams in the Marvel universe, and this is what you give us. Yeah, I you, you knew right. You knew things were going to go south when when they represented the X Men in all black. Yeah. Like what? Whose idea? Who idea was well, that? Okay, I mean, I'm with you, and I do agree it doesn't work. But we have to remember something though. There, there was we forget that was 17 years ago. Budget was a big deal back then. Sure, but also. Um, that was the uh, the new X Men Morrison quietly era. Exactly. Yeah, that he was budget. trying to pay homage to that, right. and the effects or lack thereof was directly. And in fact, I remember reading about how they originally, I think, planned to have Pyro and Angel in the first movie, but didn't have the budget to do it. Then so then don't make the movie. If they did, we wouldn't have this. But no, it's it's no, it, it's always been. It's always been the look and the stunt work and just the way the way the way the powers work that people fly and it looks ridiculous and um and yes it's 17 years ago so I'm sure the effects the CGI has has vastly improved I mean you look at the way Colossus looked in X2 and then compared to the CGI stand-in from the Deadpool movie. I mean, it's it's light years difference, but um, and he even looks you know, wonky in the Deadpool movie. But it's a fun, does, it's a fun kind of wonky. Yeah, it fits in that in, yeah. in that atmosphere. But yeah. the um, I mean, it, it's you just you, you put characters, you put actors in these roles that it's like I never bought Paquin as Rogue. I never no. liked Pyro. Mm-mm. I you know, I, I love, I absolutely love. Ian McKellen, but he looks goofy AF in that helmet. In he does, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. I, I, it's just. I, I'll go as far to say, if they never had Patrick Stewart, the X Men movies would have been done after the second one. If if they even got to the second part, Patrick Stewart was the 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 linchpin that that propelled that series. 
Well, and Hugh Jackman. I thought he was always a very yeah, good. I okay. That, again, I think the Wolverine movies have largely not been great, but I think he has always been excellent in that character. And I and and this is coming from someone who takes issue. I mean, Hugh Jackman is a tall man. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I think if you look back at like, like actually, I'm looking right now at at the X2 sort of promo art, and and, and he's the tallest person on of the of the group. Yes. Which you know, which is ridiculous, but but uh, but I, I he he was good enough in the role that I was able to look past the fact that he physically wasn't the the, the archetype. Um, and yeah, he, there were some cheeseball things. I mean, look, I mean, someone joked that in the movie in the film universe, Wolverine's real power was was to have metal that never uh, let blood stick on it because it's like, dude, dude. Ne- I mean, his claws were never ever bloody until this movie, until Logan, ever. You know. Yeah, I don't think. Jackman's a great actor. I think I think he's a likable personality. Mm-hmm. He he seems like a guy that you can kick back with and you know talk and and have a few beers. He just seems like a like an average guy, like a fun loving average guy that can tell a lot of good stories. He just seems he's likable to me. But in as an actor, he just I don't think he's all that great. Mm-hmm. But. We we haven't seen everything he's been in, but we've seen a lot. Because and I think I think that also has something to do with the movies, with, with the series staying power. Is that because Hugh Jackman's in it? That probably got a few women to go with their boyfriends and their husbands. Oh, of course, so, yeah, dude's you know, a good looking man, <laughs> right? So um, you know, there have been other movies like Renee absolutely loves. Someone like you with Ashley Judd. He's good in that. But again, that's another, you know, hey, he's a cool kind of guy to pal around with. Um, Kate and Leopold is a trip. Um, so I think, I, I don't think, I don't agree with Vince where, you know, he's not a good actor. I, I, will, I okay, I, let I, me I, amend it. I'm I, sorry. I haven't seen Real Fucking Steel. The Prestige. Just looks- Dude, I have seen Real Steel a thousand times. He's, he's, it's Holden's favorite movie. We, we, I literally watched that. <laughs> oh, on no. No, I mean it. I, I, dude, I, I have seen it a hundred a hundred times. He's very good in the prestige. He is. He He is very good in that. Yeah. Okay. So uh, maybe I'll I'll erase the fact that I don't think he's a very good actor. He's he's good in the prestige. (laughs) He's good in that one movie. Yeah. That's a great movie, man. It is. Prestige is very good. Batman, man, what's not to like? Um can can we can I talk about a comic? Oh my god, dude! I th- I think Jason would dude, like. How dare you? I think Jason would like this book. Okay. Um, I did, I have to admit, I did not read this book in single issues. I I read it in trade format. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's uh, written and drawn by Andrew McLean. Oh yeah, and uh, with with Mike Spicer, it's a book called Headlopper. Jason, I got to tell you about this because I think you'd like yeah. this. <laughs> tell me about it. It's it's called Headlopper and the Island or a Plague of Beasts. David, how far did you get? I am looking right now. I am up to page one hundred and seven. Okay, so chapter. Three, I think. Or four. Uh, I'm not Tell gonna... me more about this intriguing book I've never spoken it, about. It's so <laughs> good. Yes, you, you listen. Listen carefully to this. Listen, Linda. It 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 happens. Uh, the, the events largely occur on the island of Bara. Okay. Um, the setup is the king of Bara makes a fatal mistake one day. Um, he and his men arrive at the a peasant's 
little farm, ramshackle shack, um, and the family doesn't have any tribute to the king. Uh, and and he demands that the family slaughter their only horse, the thing that provides them sustenance, um, in a sense, uh, to feed his men. And the father's like, no, that's my only horse. Uh, so the father's killed in in view of his, his young son. The wife also resists and is presumably killed off panel. I think this is going to play out in future storylines, but be that as it may. Um, the boy escapes into the wilds, and he eventually reaches um, the dreaded bog, where he meets the sorcerer of the black bog. And th- th- this this guy fills this young kid's head with the concept of revenge. Um, the lad eventually grows. Well, his name is Servan Lulak, and and he eventually grows. Um, into the the position of steward to the very royal family that took his parents. He's the worm in the apple, so to speak. Um, meanwhile, as 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 Lulak is growing, the the sorcerer of the black bog infested Bara with all sorts of beasties. You got sea serpents and giant wolves and and all these monsters making life hell on the island of Bara, so a man of renown is called in to help clean up the place. And that man is Norgal, the headlopper. Uh, when we first see him, or defeats, he defeats this sea serpent without even breaking a sweat. He, he actually dives into the mouth of the sea serpent and cuts its head off from the inside. Um, so sea serpent gone, and when, when Norgal tries to collect payment for his services... The abbot of Bara tries to hornswoggle him. He's like, oh, we thought we would inspire your charity. And Norgal's not having it. So he reaches over and plucks the abbot's medallion as payment, thus making an enemy of the old man. And it's like everybody in this story wants a piece of the headlopper. The monsters, of course. The abbot hates him. Servant Lulak wants... Abigail the Blue Witch's head. Now, this is an incredible, a monstrously powerful magic tool. It's it's a disembodied head of a blue witch that that can do amazing magics. Um, Norgal is in possession of it. Uh, Lulak wants it because with it, he could ascend to the throne. The Sorcerer of the Black Bog wants the head because it could relieve him of the curse placed upon him. It's just a great book. It, and, and it's, we, we, I, I always, um, compare McLean's work to Mignola's work because mm-hmm. they're, they're cut from the same cloth. But where Mignola, we saw him grow, like the Mignola of Co- Cosmic Odyssey and the Mignola of Hellboy are two different dudes, right? One was kind of unsure. Mm-hmm. My point being, we saw Mignola mature. Where McLean, he hit the ground running. Like the only thing I've ever seen from McLean is is Headlopper and Apocalyptic Girl, right? And they're both superb works, right? So we didn't see the gestation period. We saw McLean fully formed. That just boggles my mind. That this guy can hit the scene this good. 
character design, sequentials, just um, everything about Headlopper. I don't know, Jason, you should Google it because (laughs) (laughs) I'm being facetious because Jason has talked about Headlopper many times. And, and I, I've, I, I've yet to, I had yet to get caught up on it. But Which always baffles me for two reasons. One, it is in the vein of the Conan ethos, mm-hmm. which is, mm-hmm. you know, wandering conqueror, you know, misanthropic conqueror. Mm-hmm. And McLean is part of that same crew that you love. The whole, you know, the avant-garde artists, you know, with the, with their very unique styles. And he's, he crews up with guys like Alexis Zira and all that, you know. So it's yeah, like, it's... A, McLean's style is one of minimalism. He doesn't use, he doesn't use a whole lot of lines to, to convey what he's trying to get across. Sometimes Mm -hmm. Norgal's face is just two arc, two, two angles for the eyes. Like no nose, you get the, you know, you get a couple lines for the mustache. It's just very, very rudiment, not rudimentary. Sorry. That's not the word I want to use. It's, it's a very pared down style. He lets, Mm a tiny bit of lines do the talking for him which to me as an illustrator that speaks of the dude's confidence right but mm-hmm. it's not all slice and dice right there there's there's humor in this book mostly between oh, the witch's head's great yeah. right abigail the blue witch she provides the comic relief more often than not but um you know it's just teeming with memorable characters the ferryman is awesome yeah, and how the the dead reach from the the bog to propel his boat. Yeah, oh, that just kills me every time that happens. Um, the abbot, even though I hate him, uh, and his two accomplices, they're cool. You got the giant spider scorpion thing, the undead giants, the the twin witches are. There's something really sexy about the twin witches. I'm not going to go all the way there, but I'm just saying, uh, the giant wolves. Um, this is a fantastic work, but I know we're supposed to hate Servant Lulak a bit, but I like the guy. I think he's completely in the right until, like, if if I saw my father and mother killed at the hands of someone, I would not rest until I eliminated that person. That's because you're just saying. It's true. <laughs> But can you blame the guy? Like, he was just a kid. And his his parents were taken away from him by someone. And, and, and he saw it go down. And someone says, hey, you know what? You can grow up and destroy this person that took your whole life away from me. I'd be like, mm-hmm. that's a good idea. Thanks. You can't blame Lulak for doing what he does. It's just the extremes he goes to. Like, I think yeah. I think I won't say it. Because David didn't get there yet, but he tips his hand towards the end. Like destroying the king should have been enough for him, but it wasn't. He didn't only want to destroy the king; he wanted something else as well, and that I think was his downfall. But I was I was with him up until like when he killed the king. I'm like, you go, you do you. That's what you got to do. <laughs> Um, but then, exactly. yeah, but so he's, he's a very sympathetic villain in the, in this book. Um, but again, like Crime Destroyer, this is a book that, that functions. It's a great story. The sequentials are spot on, but it's also an, an art object as well. 
because mm-hmm. the the cartooning is superb. Character design is amazing. I love the fact. I don't know if if you're reading the trade, David, or the single issues in um, the back of the trade. You know, you get your um, your customary variant covers and all pinups. Yeah, your pinups and all that stuff. And the sketchbook, but there is a coming soon page that they are going to make a Norgal nine-inch vinyl figure. Oh, snap. This is, there's a hand reaching out from this page, like in the cartoons when the little smoke wafts through and it just tweaks the nose of the person to get their attention. This is, that that page speaks directly to me. I want a Norgal vinyl figure. I, I will have it. Unless, of course, we, it's, we can make that happen. Unless, it, of course, it's the boutique, and that's an appellation they apply on these things when they want to charge upwards of two hundred bucks for them. If it's two hundred bucks, I'm not biting. But if it's if it's a in line with the the way vinyls are priced these days, I'm gonna pick one up because I you do it. I, I love this book. And no, seriously, Jason, check this out. I, I'm going to. In order to, sounds interesting. I have to. Yeah. I have order to order right this. now. <laughs> In stock trades, bro. Just Get order it on Amazon. No, thank you for. Uh, uh, oh, thank Andrew McLean for being a talented bastard. Yes, but thank you for pounding it because. And and by the way, uh, real talk, uh, Andrew's. Uh, I, I think he's probably most most ladies would consider him a good looking chap, but mm-hmm. uh, his wife is quite fetching. Real talk. I co-sign that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Definitely part of the crew that uh, was able to marry above himself. Um, another confession: I do not have Apocalyptic Girl yet. That's going to change. It's going to change. I know. And then I can tell you how great it is. And I can't wait. Yeah, make you read it. I can't wait for you to tell me if I should read it. No, you were in on the ground floor with McLean, and and I, I was. Well, it, it, you know, as were many. He he, you know, he was a Kickstarter. Uh, uh, one of the the. The, the pros of Kickstarter. He uh, his first two arcs were uh, Kickstarter projects. Yes, and he got the, the image deal. So, but I have rectified my mistake, and I ordered the trade, got the trade, read the trade, loved the trade, and now I'm on the single issues. So, issues one of they're they're extra sized. Issues one to four tell the story of the island. Issue five, which is coming out very soon, takes it in another direction. They came out uh, yesterday. Oh, did it. Great. Well, I'll be getting that in my next box. Boom. I think there's a Sienkiewicz variant cover on that. Dun, dun, dun. I think. Don't quote me. But I remember something that it I It was seen. supposed to be a, a, a variant for the first issue. And was it? No, I'm kidding. Oh. Sienkiewicz is perennial lateness. You're trying to be funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> trying being the artist. No, it was, it was great. It was... It was... It was... A, and... and it's a, a thick ass hardcover. I don't know how many pages. I don't think they're late. They're numbered. They're not. They're not numbered. Two eighty something. Two eighty something. Get the cover price on this bad boy. Twenty bucks. So $20. yeah. So you know, if you order from Instock Trades slash DCBService dot com, you're going to pay a lot less than that. I think I got it for ten bucks. Mm. Yeah. Silly cheap. Great, Yeah, I'm going to save um, seven to eternity for for next week. You have to because I haven't read it yet. What What do you mean you have a read? And that that I don't want to be spoiled. Okay. So. 
this is this is a uh, this episode is chock full of goodness. So I think if we leave seven to eternity for next week, we're we're doing all right. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Sorry. Right. Do you want to bring it home? Sure. David, anything to uh, add before we uh, close the door? No, I'm going to save my um my big thing for uh, ooh and and this book I want to talk about for next week. Your big thing. All right, everybody. As usual, Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com, the only place to go to get your comics and get them far less than all the other rubes are paying at the brick-and-mortar stores. I know that's a little mean. I'm sorry, but it's true. From uh, first second, Spill Zone, $12.64. That's 45% off cover price. Fanagraphics, Songy of Paradise, my blood... Gary Panther, $22.74, 35% off, and Youngblood number one from Image, $1.99 in your travels. We've been extremely fortunate to have uh, Dark Horse allow us a peek at upcoming releases. Mark this down on your calendar, April 5th, because it's a very important date. It is the release day of Secret Snade, the unpublished cartoons of Doug Snade. You need yes. this. You need this book. It is a massive, two hundred and eighty-page tome featuring not only a foreword by the great Arnold Roth, but a um, little bit of backstory. Doug Snade, famous Playboy cartoonist, worked with a bunch of different writers. Um, gag writers uh, to produce his cartoons submitted X amount to Playboy and say X minus four were approved which doesn't mean that the ones that weren't approved weren't good it's just that the cartoons that they approved were the ones they were looking for at the time Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. this book is busted up in a bunch of sections called Conversations, Hookers, Just Sex, Fun and Games, Relationships, Once Upon a Time, Inappropriate Behavior, Happy Holidays, Santa Baby, and Potpourri. If you're not familiar with Doug Snade, one of the best illustrators in portraying the female form. Ever. I think yeah. if, as long as you, if, if you were ever able to scope a copy of... Uh, of Dad's Playboy, you may not know the name, but you definitely know the art style. Oh yeah, a fixture on the con circuit, I should say. Yes, and this is and and this is this book that Vince is talking about. Um, Mr. Snade's wife was talking to Jason and I about it at C two E two last year. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, she was. Dark Horse was going to be published because yeah. this is these are mostly, and he was actually selling some of these. Th- these are the um, kind of the roughs. That uh, yes, they're they're unpublished, but they um, they're not all. He has another book where that that is comprised of the finished artwork that you would have seen in Playboy. These are uh, these are some of the uncolored or or, or colored roughs and 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 test strips that uh, yeah that he was going to have done. But yeah. it, it is a it is a gorgeous looking. Oh book. my god! You know, brand me a heretic. I don't care. I prefer the roughs to the finished uh, pieces. I like them both. Yeah. 
I, I'm a sucker for for immediacy, and when when I can trace the artist's line and and, right. and you can see mm-hmm. yeah. where he pauses in the line and why well, he paused, and then then you know he shifts direction on a whim. Yeah, it's it, these are gorgeous, gorgeous. They're roughs, and they're um, they're colored with Doc Martin's dyes. They're beautiful, beautiful things to behold. Um, yeah, maybe I shouldn't limit it. Maybe I shouldn't say that I prefer them, but it, you know, if the house was on fire, I would take the the these um, preliminary it's, it's, drawings before I grab mm-hmm. the, the finished ones. It's nice to see where it came from. Yes, yes. To see that germ of the idea, to see the to, to see the beginnings. Right. Uh, I mean, because everybody's going to be everybody sees the finished product. This is what's available. This is what you all can experience and witness. But not everybody gets to see, and not everybody shares the the building blocks. And, and right, that, right, right. That that's a great thing. And you know, it's very risky. It's a great learning tool. Very risque. It is. Um, not explicit, but there is nudity involved. It's, it's Doug oh, Snade. Yeah. yeah, it's Doug Snade. Oh, uh, and they're, and, and they're, they're, they're tasteful. They're, they're, they're one, they're one panel gags, but, and it's, it's, you know, it's like, it's like Napoleon has his hand in his jacket and, and the woman next to him has her hand in his pants and, and the, and the punchline is, you know, Napoleon's saying, actually, it's up here. And, and, you know, so you're going to get, right. you're going to get those kind of, uh, if, if you don't get it, it's not something that you could ask, you know, your parents to, to explain to you, but it's, you're going to, for the <laughs> most part, you're going to, they're, they're dirty jokes is, but, but yeah. they're, you got to kind of think about it a little bit. They're, they're, it's not so plain to, uh, it, it's, they're, they're, they're witty. They're well done. It's, um, yeah. they're, and yeah, I mean, like, and, and it's tasteful. They are tasteful. Yeah. The, the, the woman playing strip poker and oh, it was sure nice of you guys to find another find another way for me to still be able to play after I lost <laughs> this, oh, I nah, love that one. I love it. <laughs> we, we we all have um, in our minds. I you know the perfect woman. Mine is a cross between uh, Doug Snade and Frank Frazetta. So if you could somehow picture a woman that looks like the best of both, Doug Snade. And Frazetta, that's that's my perfect woman. Tell me every time we see his wife at the con, you don't wish you could see the Wayback Machine and see what she looked like 30 years ago. <laughs> yep. You know, you know she was the model for just about everything. I mean, you know she had to be a coin <laughs> bad bitch. And it's not like, and he's not, he, he's, he's, he's a dapper looking dude, too. Oh, he's yeah. Like, you know, he's and, and Canadian. Dude. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, again, I'll be perfect. Oh boy! What are you, Chris? Now, so so, <laughs> so there you go. From Dark Horse, write this down. April fifth, Secret Snade, the unpublished cartoons of Doug Snade. You need this. Take my word for it. Well done. Mm-hmm. But so you don't have to wait for April, um, which is merely a couple weeks away. But to keep the Dark Horse love alive, mm. uh, actually was released yesterday and. I cannot wait for the end, the last Wednesday of this month, because a couple of days after that, I will have this issue in my hands, written by Neil Gaiman, art by P. Craig Russell, and 
and layouts also. P. Craig Russell does the backup and he does the layouts. The, the art and the main story is by Scott Hampton. American Gods, Shadows, number one. And it is a fantastic first issue. I am extremely biased because the novel is, is one of my favorite stories. Uh, but it pretty much, I'm, you know, it's, it's going to be a pretty funky year because we're going to have the American Gods TV show. Um, really coming out. Oh yeah. I think it's going to be on stars. Julian Anderson is in it, bro. <gasps> and <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and Al Swearingen. It, it's going to be, it's, it's a, uh, I really got to read the book. I, I cannot. You do. Books real um, good. The book is the book is fantastic. Uh, although if you read the comic, you may not have to read the book because from what I remember about the novel, um, Neil is pretty much retelling the book that's now drawn by Hampton and Russell, and it's um, it's it starts off exactly like I remember the novel starting off. Um, Shadow is in prison for doing something stupid. He's, he's, uh, he's about a week away from getting out. Um, can't wait to get home to his wife. His best friend has him all set up for, um, for a job. He's just going to stay on the straight and narrow and everything's going to be fine. And, and he just, he just needs to get through this last week in prison. Um, but he gets out early and I'm not going to say why. Uh, and on his way home, he meets somebody who decides to call himself Wednesday, Mr. Wednesday. And, uh, it's, you're, you're not introduced to a whole lot of people in the first issue, but that's fine. It's, it's a, uh, it's a fantastic setup to, um, to what's going to be an amazing story. I was so stoked when they said that this was, uh, this book was coming and it's, um, between you know with, with Russell's layouts, but what, the way Hampton is drawing thing, it um, it it really does. It, it's it's a visual representation of of the prose work. I, I I really like it a lot. The only thing I have a little bit of a problem with, and maybe maybe that's just the way for the for the type of story it is. I'm um, I'm not all that keen on some of Rick Parker's lettering choices. Um, it's not, it, and and maybe it'll look different when I get the. This is a this is a PDF preview. Maybe it'll look a little different when I get the actual book. Um, but uh, I'm thinking s- this this might be this might be hand lettered actually, um, because there the reason that that, that it's it just it jumps out to me is because he 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 had to letter the word don't. And the, it took me a second because the D looked an awful lot like an O. And, but I'm looking at another word. I'm looking at the word hundred and the two D's in it look a little different. So mm-hmm. I don't know what to say, but it's, um, you know, you can still read it. It's still fine. That's my, if, if, if I'm bitching about the, the, the way the D is shaped and <laughs> the D, the, uh, in this, it, it's, it's really, I'm reaching, but it's, it's a, uh, it's a gorgeous looking book. I love the story. I'll, it's probably going to be my inner travels for a few times throughout this year. Um, like I said, came out yesterday. 
get it if uh, if it wasn't on your on your pull list. It, it will be after read the first issue. Cosign. Um, I took advantage of the blizzard. Uh, <laughs> I, you guys know, I, I buy most of the Marvel Omnibu. Uh, and admittedly, a lot of it is just for archival purposes. I, I don't, probably half of them I haven't ever cracked open, to be honest. But, I mean, I've read most, if not all, the inclusive materials within them, but but I just like the idea of having them collected. Um but this Omnibu, the most recent procurement, uh, is uh, John Burns' Alpha Flight on the bus. Mm-hmm. And I read it from cover to cover this week. And uh, for those wondering, that's a lot of comp. It is, to be specific, uh, X-Men number 109, 120, 121, 139, 140, Incredible Hulk 272, 313 and the annual number 8. Machine Man number 18 with, uh, with Ditko art, by the way. Uh, Marvel 2 in 1, 83-84. Uh, Alpha Flight 1 through 29. X-Men Alpha Flight the 85 series, 1 and 2. X-Men Alpha Flight the 98 series, which is brutal. It's horrible. 1 through 2. Uh, and uh, and Marvel Team Up numbers, uh, annual number 7. Um Man, this was so much fun to revisit. Always loved Alpha Flight. Um, so easy sale. Had read all this stuff in prior iterations, but it was just a blast to go through again and just relive the early days and, uh, you know, the, the quirky parts of it, like the strange obsession Burn had with Wendigo and like he, he made, he really tried to make Walter Lankowski like a breakout character. I mean, dude was in like anything Byrne was involved with, dude was bringing Wendigo in somehow. <laughs> like, uh, uh, or Sasquatch, I guess, but whatever you want to call him. But, um, uh, but Walter Lankowski. Um, like stuff I had forgotten, like Box. I don't remember that he was a, he didn't have any legs. Yeah. I forgot that. <laughs> Damn. I forgot that shit. Wow. Um, I forgot that. You know, um, it's funny now that you know, North Star being one of the quote unquote first out gay superheroes, um, you know, back then was depicted very differently by Vern. <laughs> you know, he was a downhill skiing playboy and even had a bit of a almost too flirtatious relationship with his twin sister. Um, you know, I just a sucker for this whole thing for Omega Flight and the whole Marina thing and, you know, that intertwined with Namor and Byrne was doing the Namor series, uh, you know, at the same time. So, um, just, just great stuff. I mean, I think that, uh, I had actually posted a page from the Omnibu the other day. Um, and it just, it, it encapsulates everything that's, that's fascinating about that era, which is that, you know, Claremont is definitely not the easiest reread. Like I think for people that didn't grow up reading Claremont, he's a hard sell because he's, you know, expository to the nth degree. Uh, and you see that on this page, but at the same time, you know, you get this really goofy diet soda joke, um, where Professor X, uh, Kitty Pride is joining the team and she needs a nickname and Professor X is like, well, how about Ariel? And Kitty's like, no, I'm not feeling that. And then someone's like, well, how about Sprite? And then she's like, oh, I love Sprite. And then she's like, just don't, 
don't confuse me with Tab. Ha ha ha. Like fucking Professor X in the next panel is like holding a fucking a fucking diet soda with a lemon wedge. He's drinking it. You know, and 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 Logan's got his his his, in my opinion, superior brown and uh, mustard costume. And uh, one of the other X Men's like, "What's up with the costume? New costume?" And he's like, "Why not?" I'm like, why shouldn't I have a new costume? <laughs> so just like, you know, lots of shit like that and, and just, just funny stuff. I mean, like, you know, uh, Heather Hudson is, uh, you know, after Mac dies, like she just like so many scenes, she laments like how they, how she going to pay the bills? Like what's she going to do? Um, you know, Puck, great character. I think Puck is a great character underutilized at present. He's, he's in, he's in Captain Marvel cause he's, because Alpha Flight's technically in that right now, but but uh, but but very very much in the background. Um, uh, yeah, man, it's just it was great to revisit that series. I I, uh, I know we've talked about it in the past. It, that's one of those series where we used to always say it was one of those series where you could go and do bin diving uh, at at a con and get them on the cheap. You still can, but but now here's an even easier way to, to read some of these stories. I would say that. Um, if if what we're hearing is correct, there's going to be an insane number of Omnibu in the market uh, for remainder prices. And usually that means at cons, you're going to be able to get a lot of these for like 50% off, if not more. So if you're looking to, uh, to read a classic series, that's, uh, you know, maybe not uh, on the tip of everybody's tongue. Alpha flight's always going to be on my short list for sure. So it was awesome. Cosine. Yeah. Just awesome stuff. Yeah. I can't front unburn when it comes to alpha flight. Yeah. It's just good stuff. And to answer David's question from the thread uh, in the Facebook group, uh, much of this there's very little backgrounds. Yeah, no, and it's fine, and I get it's it's um, I know it's 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 the easy joke, it's the oh you know, it's, but you know you look at various issues of Fantastic Four where Reed's in the lab, and and there's there, there's gears and and detail in the backgrounds sure. and shit. He wasn't, but I mean I, I'm guessing the more characters than yeah, let, let's just say yeah. for fucking time, and if if you, know, you don't have to draw every little thing. If, if, mm-hmm. whereas you know Perez is going to draw wallpaper on everybody's wall. You know, if if the wall in a burn comic is painted blue, then the dude talking head is just going to have a blue background behind him. You yeah. don't need yeah. anything fancy. And and it's not like Claremont gave a lot of room for anybody to add much <laughs> detail. Because word balloons out the ass. So it's it and and the Alpha Flight stories they're they're outside. There's a lot of exteriors. Or I mean, and then. When he's taking on Omega Flight, they're in a mall. You're not you're not getting away with no backgrounds in a mall. So it's it was mm. it was pick and choose. But yes, it is. It's an easy jab, and of of all the artists that we adored growing up, he is the one that I think sticks out to a lot of people. Where there weren't a lot of backgrounds in his comics, but you can no, still. Sure. But are you going to remember the backgrounds? You're going to remember the goddamn story of Wolverine. Now that's the, the thing, right? Or you know, so it's it's. It's okay. You don't need to try. if listen. If if you're going to be on time with your comics every month and tell that story, perfect, great. Just let's move the story well, along. Well, that's but, the I mean, thing. Like if, if you, no, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no. I just, but if if you know if you need to noodle every little thing, and then people, well, well, why is the comic late? Because he's drawing every goddamn leaf on the tree. Yeah. Every, yeah. What I was just going to add is that the hair. thing about burn is I think for a lot of people of a certain era, if you were to say who is the seminal, who drew the seminal image that comes to mind for a given character, like Byrne did that for a lot of characters, for a lot of people, right? 
Yeah. Like everything from Namor to She-Hulk to these characters to the X. I mean, like for a lot of people, like Burns version of a lot of characters was like the version, like to this day. Right. And that's, yep. that's pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. No, nobody oh, did. Ter- 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 nobody no, did Terex better than. Yeah, it was this thing. Yeah, for sure. Um, w- one other thing I did want to mention, just uh, uh, it's, it's a, a bit of a downer, so I wanted to save it to the end. But uh, peace and love to uh, to uh, an amazing creator and our friend, uh, Mr. Jason Latour, who lost his yes. dad uh, unexpectedly. Yep. Um, about uh, probably about two weeks ago now. Um, was neglectful and not mentioning it last week, but. Uh, uh, Still fresh. Yeah, J- Jason was actually due to uh, c- come on our show this week. He was going to be our fourth chair. Uh, had been in the works for a while, and uh, needless to say, what well, with this all happening, uh, he'll be on soon, I think. But uh, but we did have to understandably uh, reschedule. But you know, definitely peace and love to him. And uh, it's uh, it's very touching to see him. So uh, you know, he's always he's very 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 vocal, um, candid guy. Uh, open book on uh, on the internet, you know, shares his thoughts, strong opinions. Um, so it's it's been, you know, it's I've been particularly touched seeing him so openly share his grieving and his uh, you know his memories of his father. That's uh, needless to say, that's very private stuff that that no one would expect him to to share. I, I presume there's some level of uh, catharsis for him in doing so, but it's 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 been touching to get a window into a, you know, a creator that I really appreciate in, on a, on another level. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's so hopefully, you know, nothing like that is ever easy to deal with, but, uh, but, uh, hopefully in some way his, his sharing some of this with the world at large is helping because he's, it seems like he's doing it for that purpose. So. Right. Much love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, everybody. Once again, we thank you for being here with us. If you enjoyed any of this, uh, these shenanigans, please leave us a review at iTunes or a similar uh, service. And uh, you best come back next week because if you don't, David is going to be very verklempt and we can't have that. So, oh, yes. as usual, as always, say goodnight, David. Wow. What? Good night. David. David. Yeah, very nice. Very nice. We love you so much. Come back, will you? It gets boring without you. Just come Mm. back. Don't even question it. Don't even. Don't. You know, I'm I'm still flipping through this preview and the backup story. The lettering is slightly... I don't know what... What are you looking at, first of all? I'm looking at the American Gods preview still. Oh. And in the backup story that's drawn by Russell, the lettering is slightly different. So I'm, it, it has to be deliberate based on the, the narrator or the, or the person speaking. Um, cause like you said, the Parker lettered book that you were talking about earlier. It's great. So I'm thinking yeah. it, it's not it's or you know, or, or it's your jug wine. So it's you know, but it, it, either way, it's not the jug um, wine. It's not. It's it's, it's, not. it's good lettering. No, he did a great job on this. It's old school and new school at the same time. Oh, what? Lady, y'all, we love you. Come back. Say bye. Bye. Thank you.